are now listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion. Yes. You cling on, bastard. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 255 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Bud Night Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... Hello everybody, I'm here and not, like, exiting a screaming shuttlecraft. <laughs> <laughs> the annoying dog is also here. And I am here as well, the less annoying wolf. So, I guess we shall kick off with some Star Trek Online news. Star Trek Online. So I've got the Tribble's groovy, funky event calendar in front of me here, which tells me that up until the 6th, we've got 20% off duty officers on PC, a bonus experience weekend, and the Unto the Breach event has started and is running until the 23rd. And over on console, the anniversary event is still ongoing until the 16th, as is the weekly rewards from Off Science Importance and the Temporal Agent weekly awards are ongoing up until the 4th of April as well. Also, an upgrade weekend for consoleers to upgrade all your weapons guns, and various other good items. I have nothing to add. I didn't know we could start talking. Yes, we could start talking. <laughs> it's been a weird couple of weeks. Yeah, it has been indeed. Um, I will say this, for the Breach, I am happy with the Breach. Ooh, I yeah. definitely am. And I, I'll say this, I, and we had a discussion about this in one of the Facebook groups I'm a part of. Um, because there's someone that wants a mid-ground. Because I like the shortness of the event version we have right now. I mean, you can get it done. The fastest I've seen is five minutes. 
to get from the very beginning to the very end of the run. Uh, my average is seven minutes, roughly. But considering the average original breach was, what, 30 minutes originally? Because you had to go through everything? If it's an a- well, you, there was there were some people that went to the center, and then some people that went through the sides, and then there was like the massive far fest of actually breaching the hull. Yeah, but it's like then you had to go through two or three hangar bays and yeah, stop ships, the, yeah, and you had the um, the fighter hangar, which is the first one. Then you had like the dreadnought hangar, and then the sub processing core, and the whole time you're trying to quote unquote save ships. Mm-hmm. Whereas they cut those first two hangers just right the hell off, and and that's what I like about it is for the event it's short and sweet. You go straight from the outside to the sub cores to the main core. You're out within seven minutes. So for the rewards, it's easier for you to get all of your spare tunes, all your alternate tunes through them as well. Whereas originally, if you were, if you had the original breach going right now, you'd probably be averaging thirty minutes for one character. Now you're only averaging seven to eight minutes per character, so you can get a lot of your alts through this and get the reward. And then once the event's over with, you've got the standard run coming back. So if you miss all thirty minutes of that run, it'll be back as soon as the event's over with. But I think it was a good call for them. To make the event short and sweet. I'm not cause... entirely sure that it's supposed to be coming back as the old one. I think yeah, it's they... going to be this new one, just as a standard queue again. Because from what I was reading, they were, they were bringing back the original queue after the event. I was of the same impression, Timber. Uh, whenever I start a run of the, the new version of it, it does say in brackets next to it, event version or event queue or something like that. So that made yeah. me think that it would be coming back as the the fully unabbreviated version after the event has gone away. And I don't think they went to all that work redeveloping it to just, just to, to have the old one. Especially as there's a whole load of artwork that's gone into it and everything. Mm-hmm. There's just this way from, too much work to have it just for This is from the blog itself, from the ARC page for Star Trek Online. After the, ru- the run of this Breach event, the regular Breach queue will return with its normal rewards. Right, yeah. right. The event right now is that you can get the buttload of dilithium and fleet marks. And no, what marks. it's saying is after the breach event, the regular breach queue, the regular right, right. one. This so, queue will become a regular queue. And the no, what they're saying here is... Are the fleet marks and the Voth marks. That's it. No, no, they're not saying anything about... You know, they're saying normal rewards, but they're saying the regular breach queue, which means we'll see the event version we see now whenever they do the Voth event, which is once a year. But for the rest of the year, we'll have the original regular breach. No, I think it's going to be the the new map. It won't be the old one. Bet you anything. A bet, eh? No, there's just way too much work that's gone into um, updating it to go back to the old one. So they're they're not going to just have that as a event that goes off once a year for that amount of work. Let so me, it, basically, the event we're doing now will become a normal queue. That is what they're talking about. 
then why would they call it the regular breach? Because Be- this this breach because, is not the regular breach. Because this breach is the event version where you get all of the other marks associated with all of the other reputations. The yeah. normal, the regular queue only will give you either a choice of fleet marks or Voth marks. Because that's the way it was originally. No, I don't see it. I I still stand with Timberwolf on this one. But, but here, let me let me ask this question. Get an when answer they... from Ambassador Kell himself about it. We should drop a wee note on the forums asking. Here's here's a question. When they took away when they took away ye oldie crystalline entity and then came out with the crystalline entity event, re remade the crystalline entity event, did we get ye oldie crystalline entity event back that took over an hour to do? No, we did not. We got a dumbed down kind of version of the newer crystalline entity run. Yeah, sure. Like you didn't have mere universe troops and like thousands of things floating in the air that you had to avoid, but you were still doing the crystalline entity as the new version of the crystalline entity. That's exactly what they're going to do with this. The new version that we have from this event might be tweaked a little bit for the regular version, but it's still going to be this kind of version. Well, then we need clarification from Kale, because then that means he worded his his own blog incorrectly. Uh, because no. regular J- regular J- breach, J- regular Ross breach is the one that wrote this. Thank you. Oh, whoever Kale had to proofread it before it was posted. So if Ross again, if again, Ross miswrote it, you're asking you're asking for clarification from a company who doesn't like to say shit about anything until the day before, and then wants to go and fix it like afterward. After K- the event is over. I'm just saying Kale has been a lot more upfront and forward on answering questions than most have been. And that's I mean, fair. It's fair. Because Kale was recently on Pilot Review Show doing an interview. So it you know, he from the get go, he's been out there trying to answer questions and be more with the community. Which but, which is cool. But which the wording cool, but- of this does lead to a lot of people thinking the original Q will come back with its normal rewards. Well, the fact that a lot of this has also been updated because this is going on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One um, as of March 16th. So I very much doubt all the work would have been done to update how it looks and how it works so it would go nicely on the consoles and then for them just to put it back to the old-style um play mission that is right the consoles have never had the breach queue have they so but wouldn't that also be going on what sun said of us of assuming something with them but as i said they're just talking about it going to a standard queue rather than an event queue where they didn't say standard they said the regular breach queue Yeah, it, it becomes a regular. Be. It becomes a regular queue. That's not what it says, though. It, it could okay, say okay, okay, the wording could say it becomes a regular queue. Okay, wait, wait. The only thing wrong here is that Timber is missing one word. The word "regular" needs to re- be replaced with "normal," and Timber would be happy. Well, no, because then that could be classed as you will only get the normal. Um, mission difficulty instead of no. um, some of the harder ones. No, but other people could interpret it exactly the same way. They'll go, oh, so aren't we going to get the other difficulties? So no matter what 
people put, there's always going to be someone who can interpret it a different way. Things I read this, and it didn't even occur to me we would get the old style map back. All it would need to say is after the run of this breach event, this new version of the breach event will become a normal, normal returning queue with its normal rewards. There you go. Okay. Thing is, they, they update decide- maps. They don't go back. They have never done that. So I would you never won't- think that they would. And especially as things are going to console and they're making it look nicer and shinier. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. Because okay, the I've wording, just asked you can't... that on the forums right now. Yeah. When the event returns fully after the special awards, will it be the old long version of the event? So I've asked that now. So hopefully that's all I need. Should answer. Because no speculation from us will de- will deter me from thinking the original Q comes back until Ross or Kale says otherwise. Because of the Same. wording. I feel it needs a bit more clarification as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, this is this is cool. This is a nice argument, but point of reference. Every time, every time, even for the people who are new to Stowe here on this podcast, every time we have ever met an Iconian gate, it has changed. There have been three, four versions of an Iconian gateway just since I started playing, and that was when the game went free to play. And since then, every time they have updated the model for the Iconian Gateway, they have changed it everywhere. Even the one on New Romulus has been changed to look like the new kind of Herald style of Gateway. And not well, we- the old one with the little, the purple uh, uh, cubey things on the side of them as like conductors. At the same time, I could argue that just going off of the event reward, it's constantly changing, so I don't know really what it's going to be when I claim it. Because the mods that are on it change if you hover over it long enough, and then they change back, and then they change to something different. I even have that recorded. So not even the game knows what it wants to keep. I'm just saying, what if it's worded better or we have clarification from Kale, I'm assuming they're bringing back the original 30 to 40 minute run. If they clarify, yeah, it's going to be just this new one. Cool. Well, we'll find out soon enough, either with someone answering back on the forums or when it finishes. But at the moment, the PC has the breach um, from March 2nd, and that'll be going till March 23rd. So that's PC only. Then... For PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, the event for you guys is March 16th to April 7th. So, and yeah, it's a great improvement if you've played it before. You can um, get the rewards every 20 hours. And if you collect 14 Voth operative transmissions, you can get the reward of 50,000 Dilithium Ore, 500 Fleet Marks, and 250 marks of your choice. So Fleet, Omega, Romulan, etc. Including the new Lakari marks. And you can also get with that a brand new Voth melee weapon. And is it Fuardon's Fangs? Yeah, I'm calling it Fuardon's Fuardon's Fangs. But its mods are changing currently. Sometimes it shows up with a crit H mod. Sometimes it shows up with damage. Sometimes it shows up with crit D. 
So that's something that they do have to fix because that does change. Okay. It looks like they may have changed what they're doing and somehow both tooltips are coming up. <laughs> so. But one that, thing, one event that I didn't get to talk about last week because of what happened, and I know we it was hashed out when we finally did the episode, I do want to talk about. Yeah, we can get to that in a minute. I just want to quickly go through the general news before we go on to um, PC specific. Okay. Um, just a reminder that the Phoenix box, there is a daily mission you can actually do. Um, I'd completely forgotten about it and didn't even get time to do it yesterday either. Um, if you go to Deep Space Nine, there's a Ferengi um, there that you can pick up a mission that sends you to Drazana and you can get a free Phoenix box. So if you have no Dilithium to spend, um, you can get one per day. So, just saying, don't forget to just log in to actually get that. So, so yeah, I just wanted to quickly say that before um, it was all sort of forgotten about. So, who cares about Phoenix boxes anyway? Me. It it does kind of prove a pattern we were kind of thinking about um, that they're going to come out about every three months because this is about three months since they originally debuted. So that is kind of a nice shining star there. If they keep up the pattern, it should be about every three months we have a drop in the uh, dilithium zen rates in the um, exchange. And, you'll and then have a key access sale to, to send it right back up again. <laughs> but at least there's a balance there. I mean, at least if, they're, if it's appearing a minimum of four times a year, you know you have a dilithium dump coming within three months of now, which would be June. So you know if that's the case, it should show up again in June. Save up your dilithium then, and you get the Phoenix boxes. And eventually, as time goes on, they'll add more event stuff that you might have missed to it. And it's it does prove its worth. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many boxes have been opened just in the past, what, day? But it's, it does give a nice balance every so often to lower the rate so we can go back up and then come back down again. So, um, but no, I do like the Phoenix boxes. I had 400,000 dilithium ore and that got wiped out. I then transferred with the dilithium being way down my 560 zen that I had in my account to dilithium and got another load of boxes. So... I opened up something like 130 Phoenix boxes today. You addict, you. So I'm, I mean, they can I've, be worth it, though. Well, what I do is anything that is very rare or ultra, I make very rare and I put in my account bank so I can claim the red matter capacitor um, to give to my other characters when I get a chance to actually do something with them more. Uh, so I've got 30 of them so far in my account bank. And then all the rest I downgrade to Uncommon, which I trade in for the Phoenix upgrade um, packs you can get. So I've currently got, what was it, I said 205 of them. Well, that to me, that's what makes it worth it. I mean, I've got, with the last run, I got enough from the very rares that, None of my characters need the very rare tokens. It's just trying to see if I can get an ultra rare and epic. I mean, all I get is the tech upgrades at this point. They are insanely worth it with 
you know, any kind of piece of gear that you want to upgrade, mm. especially when you're talking about reputation gear that takes a, an obscene amount of tech points to do. These take care of reputation gear very quickly. The, to me, it's one of the best things in the Phoenix box. Yeah, definitely. So last time it was out, I um, even spent some cash so I can transfer the Zen to Lithium in order to get some more. And I used a lot of them to upgrade a lot of kit that I'd been waiting to save up for. And yeah, I spent a lot less Dilithium on those boxes than I had upgrading some of the previous kit that I'd done. Yeah, I mean, I look at it as, yeah, let's say I get 10 tech upgrades for 40,000 Dilithium. Well, those 10 upgrade tokens, if they're all uncommon and they're all just straight tech upgrades, that 40,000 Dilithium is a lot cheaper than all the tech points those particular um, tech upgrades represent and the possibility for upgrade. Because if you look at just using superior kits with the same upgrade chance and how much Dilithium it costs, you'd blow through a lot more than 40k trying to upgrade the same piece of gear with just a couple of these. At the high end, it might not work out as much if you have very bad upgrade luck, but overall, it's a lot more worth it to spend the Dilithium on the boxes than regular upgrades. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I know there's still a few ships um, in there that I haven't got. I think it's three or four that I haven't actually got. Uh, I've still got a load of ships that I still haven't properly flown or done builds on. So for the moment, I'm just looking to get red matter capacitors and the upgrades because I can use them more now. And then I aim to get the other ones uh, when they repeat the event at some point. So, But no, I'm definitely glad it's back and for anyone who can't or doesn't want to spend money on them as i said um go to the ferengi that is on deep space nine can't remember his name um captain morgan in our chat said um because i didn't think it was the trader and uh, he said it isn't um, it's right next Ona. to him. it is o-n-n-a and as far as placement the isn't Ferengi that the, isn't that one the isn't that one the weapon seller on DS9? No, she's in front of one of the bars, one of the little food replicator mat uh, replicator mats. That's what they called it, replicator mats. And it's directly across from your shipyard where you can select your ship and all of that on DS9. Yeah, no, I'd missed the message from Alex. So yeah, it is on us. So thank you both for that. So and yeah, basically you pick up the mission there, and then you head over to Drazana, where you go and visit Grim. So, so yeah, um, easy way to pick something up. And of course, on Drazana, once you've picked it up, you just turn around, and you've got access to bank exchange and mail. So uh, very easy to go and. Um, either send stuff to other characters or just stick it in your bank to use for another time or put it on the exchange. Because um, I think some of the stuff you can put on the exchange as well. So, okay. So before we go into the other news, 
Timberwolf, did you want to talk about um, the arena? Because you weren't here last week when we talked about it. Yes, I did, because quite simply, that is one of the things I have been looking for STO to do in God knows how long. And that is, I've even talked with Nevadon at PWE Europe about this. That, quite simply, to me, was the best event they've ever put out. I, and, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the thing and, is, I am not a ground person. I have always well, well, been someone who prefers space. And f- usually with the ground ones, there are some maps that I do like. Um, like, for example, I do like the new Borg missions where you've got like, these huge tubelets going over just because of the animation. Because um, I, I do like the Borg, and sort of, that always makes me smile. But this one... I had a lot of fun on and just the fact that like the lightning ground sort of as I say in last week just the name of it it's just like oh <laughs> this will be a fun one and then of course actual lightning <laughs> yeah I mean, and even when it's chasing you going piss off piss off and it's still just maybe chuckle the fact they just called it the lightning ground <laughs> just someone thought well, I, I loved it like you you had of course there were rotating mechanics so eventually you got used to it oh I know what's happening in this mechanic but to me, it was the perfect event for a person of any skill level, and that's what hit home with me. If you're new to ground or you're trying to learn how to get good, as it were, at ground, this is the perfect event. You can go in, and you're learning the basics of just what's going to work if you're facing a lot of enemies, crowd control, what's the best, just to punch through you can test out your abilities. You can test out yourself on ground. And if you only last 10, 15 rounds, okay, well, you know, I did all right. If you're used to your fleet, you can always do pre-made runs and just challenge yourself. And then for the high-end players, this is ground is what they do. They had their high-end challenge where how far can we go? And considering it's scaled as far as the enemy health and the enemy damage output and everything else, it was the perfect challenge for any skill level a player. Mm. So you could learn the basics if you're a beginner. A decent challenge as it got a little bit harder for the, you know, your average mid-level player. And then you had a challenge where how far can you go if you're an elite player? You know, just how far can you go? And I think one of them I saw went to round 400 with a, a you know, a pre-made group of his friends. Well, was like wow. Yeah, so it's just one of those things that's like it it hit the spot for everything and it proved they know how to make a scaling mechanic like what I've been always hoping for for no win scenario in space if it was to ever come back. Give it where it's a scaling you can you can keep going for as long as you're willing to sit there and it because just gets I, progressively harder. Because I do wonder whether or not this may have been a test bed for doing that with the actual no win scenario oh i'm hoping so with with ground in many respects it does become simpler there aren't as many abilities and consoles and things like that that but it can get dangerous in space yeah there's just so many other things that go wrong plus you've got more whereas with most of the places on the ground map you're basically on one or two levels sort of thing you're not it's not as big a when it comes to the size of the map well you also and, have to you also have to take into account the the ai of space too because 
you know, some of the enemies in the No End scenario were pet based. Like yeah. they, they shot out pets and then you have your pets. Well, those pets have their own AI and you can't really always code for that kind of interaction. I mean, you can you can get away with it on ground for a little bit because you have you you have like the security team as an ability and you know how that ability works. You know how like AI pets work in space, but those pets can do just about everything but what they're supposed to do. Well, I mean, there will be limitations, but seeing that they can make it work on ground, just thinking about a no-end scenario based off of this, where instead of a lightning round, it could be a spatial anomaly round, where you had Tykens Drift and Gravity Well and everything just fucking with you while you're dealing with everything else, and you're adding in that it's not just the Borg or the Klingons or something. You could have Zenkethi, Iconians, any number of things popping mm. off. And with some of those rounds that we were seeing, you'd have like an elite tactical Borg Gorn, but then you'd also have Romulans on the ground. So you might end up popping a tactical cube, but then you've got Zenkethi alongside it fighting you. Well, you there's two different mechanics you have to face for at the same time. You know what would be amazing for a no-end scenario? It is, an, it is a ship trapped inside of a spatial anomaly, and that spatial anomaly literally is the Temporal Cold War. So you've got the Tholians and the, the, the Sphere Builders and the, um, oh god, what are they? The research people with the, the genocide machine. Um, there Kratom. you go. Yeah. So it's 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 them, and it's the mirror mirror universe version of of the the twenty ninth century temporal ships, and it's just all there, and it's all coming together, and it's like all this one battle trying to defeat essentially essentially this little frigate. I mean, because does anybody remember the um the the Nakul? The Nakul were doing this thing where they were they were going after like frigates to try and kill off the people who become a problem later in their timeline. Remember? Yeah. This yeah. They were trying to do the whole Terminator thing on Caldano. Yeah. Th this could wholly be one of those kinds of events just as a no win scenario. Yeah. But going on what they were testing, they were testing for every mechanic because they don't want to get limited by, well, it's just, it's just a temporal event kind of deal. Well, no, that's that's how you explain it, but you know. But after a while, you'd want to fight Borg in there. The most powerful enemies we've had have all been the temporal ones. Let's be honest about that. Yeah, but would you want to just fight temporal temporal agents in a no end scenario constantly, or would you want also want to fight the Klingons and fight the Romulans and the Federation? And but you can't do that with the current state of affairs. The current state of affairs is we're kind of all at peace. Yeah, but you can you if can they do like they did arena. with the, this ground, because with yeah. Arena, you go in and it's uh, you're going into a holodeck to test your metal base. I mean, I was playing on an Orion who is allies with the, with the Gorn and, the, of course, the Orions, and I was fighting other Orions and Gorn while I was in this. It kind of reminds me of the old Battle Royale... Um thing from the foundry just like actually made in the game and as a holodeck thing i didn't get to play it once just once before it all went away 
It was I'm nice. just saying this this was great enough. I know they'll never make it a permanent queue because they feel like it's stagnant. But I do hope that they make it a longer queue than just a weekend. Maybe make it a full week. Yeah, that was the only thing that disappointed me. No, and you can't do that. 21 you days? You cannot do that. You can't do that specifically because it gives those people who are out there, who are math people, and I'm sorry, Timber, but it gives us people out there who are math people, who are thinkers, who do numbers and write papers, time to say, this is the optimal setting, use it. And then everybody else is going to bitch and complain because somebody comes in and is not using the quote-unquote optimal method some one week. Yeah, but the, the problem yeah, with they've that done that within hours. They, they've they've done that done within that. hours. The As Timber said, the, they got to 400. <laughs> and that particular person also put down their ground build and the build of everybody else in the run and saying, this is how you do it. Like, they, that was put out within three days of the event. So, I mean, if we're doing that, then the event needs to be only three hours long so nobody learns it. And regardless, if it's, you know, it, how long did it take us to learn the new crystalline? And crystallines are getting getting nuked within thirty seconds now. Even during the event, I mean, I'm just saying, give it more time because we already know those people exist. We already know the math people exist. Optimum build, whatever, no big deal. I mean, you go into a pug when you were going into pug runs for this thing, you were still making it between round thirty to round seventy. I did. You won't hear. You never once heard anybody bitching in the chat about well, you're not using this setup, so we could have lasted longer. Most people were just in there for their daily. But for oh, me, oh boy, my one run must have been just the worst of the worst. Then, yeah, because I, I did I, not hear the end of it being an engineering captain who did not constantly have like the heel out and the 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 shield screen up protecting it. And having all of my turrets out and then using the uh, orbital strike and all that kind of stuff because I, m- I spent most of the time dead. Yeah, you you got that one rare one because, I mean, hell, I'd be, I was even in ones where you had five tactical tunes. There was no science tunes. There was no engineering tunes. And you, all, all you heard at the beginning was, well, let's see how far we can go with five tacks. No complaints, though. Security like a, team. <laughs> yeah, it was just like round 30 and we were done. You're always going to have those math people are going to, you know, eventually they're going to crop up in a pug and they're complaining you're not using a certain build. But the fun factor was what won over above anything else against any kind of elitist bitching or you're not using this setup so you suck. It lasted for five days and the number one thing everybody came back from it, it was fun. It was fun to do pugs. Oh, we lasted around 10. Eh. Oh, we made it to 50. Yay. Like it was nothing but fun. And I'm just thinking, you know, because people of all skill levels enjoyed it, and it does have the ability to help even people that are new to ground learn some basic things about what they're building for that they could use in other queues and the missions that they play. Maybe have it instead of a week, maybe have it a week and a half. And you can have a better, better, maybe a better reward because it's a longer queue and then maybe have it twice a year. Amidst all the complaining of the one pug I was in, it took till round somewhere between 15 and 20 before somebody literally said said in the open thing, Look, you know you can respawn, right? No. I thought the whole point of this was a no-win scenario. Respawning is kind of against the purpose. 
me because like if you remember the you know if you know the Borg cube like if you're fighting the Borg queen uh and you respawn guess what you you get stuck outside of this little shield thing mission over if you all if you all wipe you know no, no, that's what um, I, that was the thought I had as, had ascribed and to I, and originally, that's what I thought, too, and it surprised me that I could respawn, yeah. but I realized that the, the only reason they allowed it for you to have a respawn, unless the entire team wiped it once, was that they realized if it was one of those type of situations, no one would play it. Because there's a lot of people that don't play ground at all, or hardly play it, or just do it just for the missions, that they would die on round one, and it's like... Oh well, you've only got two people carrying it. Up, oh, we were at, made it to round eight, and it wouldn't be fun. Being able to respawn was what helped keep it to be playable and entertaining for everyone. Otherwise, it would have just been a whole bunch of high-end players playing it because they wouldn't die within the first ten rounds. Things I thought, I can understand that. Yeah, I thought it would be that once you're dead, you're dead. But then when you go into the mission, part of your briefing does actually say you have to make sure none of your team dies. Um, and so not all of your team dies, because if you all die, it's over. Um, so it did say that in the mission briefing. Um, and like I said, I can understand that mechanic. Oh, you died? Well, so long as you can respawn, you know, you're, the team's still going kind of deal. Or if you're the last guy left, you've got to survive until someone else respawns. And it's kind of like what we've seen with Call of Duty Zombies. You know, you can respawn in Call of Duty Zombies. You know, either if you have a self-revive or if someone gets to you and then you keep going, it only ends when everyone's dead all at the same time. I can understand that mechanic. You make it where someone dies once and it's over, that's going to be one of those complaint points you'll see in the forums. Oh, it's too hard. I died on round two. Thing is, I can see that sort of mechanic being good for say the elite queue so the, what you would have is you would have normal you'd have the advanced and then your elite queue would be the same difficulty as advanced but this time as soon as you die that's it yeah i mean i take um, it a step further you're you're doing normal so long as the entire team doesn't wipe you can keep coming back advanced maybe a limit of only five lives just to give you an idea of trying to ration yourself out. And then Elite, one and done. Then there's a nice progression there. But if they would have made the normal event that challenging, where either you stay alive or you're done until the rest of the team wipes, a lot of people would have tuned out very if, quickly. But if they do use that mechanic, um, you'd have to make it that it was pre-made teams only. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to get people going, ah, oh, quitter, ruined it, and everything else. So I would say if they do bring in that mechanic at some point with those sort of difficulties, then pre-made queues only. Yeah. But there'd be a way around it where then the, the average player would still be able to have fun with it. Yeah, because they'd still have the normal one they can just do and play. And But all in all, I loved that event. And I'm honestly hoping it's something that comes back more than once in a year you actually get maybe two or three runs out of it per year because the overall i guess i'll call it approval rating of the player base for it was exceptionally high with the exception of hearing what sun seal had to go through pretty much everyone i've talked to loved the queue didn't have any complaints about 
players complaining because you're not doing this, or you're not doing that or anything. It was pretty much positive. And like I said, it, it was it could be used as a learning tool for all present. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really hope it comes back. You know, I think the one thing that I... Because I, I ran it on my Orion. The one thing I would have probably been using constantly would have been um, the the orbital strike. But with if if I had had it with the orbital devastation trait, because, you know, orbital beam that kind of follows enemies around. Yeah? No? Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I was seeing people use it. Uh, of course, one of the big ones I was seeing a lot of people use, especially for bosses, was the solar gateway. Yep. Mm. That was a big one that I was constantly using. A lot using. of people were using the... Um, the the herald turret too, mm -hmm. but you did have to switch around. Like for me, I was using my um, my Lobi crystal herald staff, but whenever board came in, using that. But at the same time, I'd have to switch to my TR rifle whenever the board came up, so they wouldn't adapt to it. Um, my my KDF tune, she's using the radiation rifle. From the crystalline event, and I, I was just, I was batting back and forth between the radiation assault rifle and the well the the assault gun and the um oh, what is it the the Terran task force rail gun thing. Well, one of the things that I learned when I was doing it was, for some reason, the radiation gun was actually healing Tholians and Romulans. So I had to <laughs> switch out to use something else against those two enemies, and then everything, and then I just. And I typically use a TR for them because the Borg can adapt to the radiation rifle. So I'd have a TR for Tholians, uh, Romulans, and Borg, and everything else was a radiation rifle. I never saw Borg in my run. That's weird. Oh, I got them a few so, times. Sometimes they showed up as a full wave. Sometimes they showed up as a singular assimilated. I got a lot of assimilated Undine and assimilated Gorn with scorpion tails. Yeah, or occasionally you'd get, like, the elite tactical drone with another mob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, um, and it, I saw it, it constantly. It, I know, so did I, actually. And I like the fact that literally sometimes you didn't have the gap between rounds because as one mob oh, yeah. came in before the other one had actually finished, it's like, what? whoa. <laughs> well, that, just, was half, that was half of what um, made that, it challenging. I know, and it was actually a lot of fun. As I said, I ground is just not for me. Um, one of the reasons I never really played like Star Wars The Old Republic is because it was just ground the entire time. I was bored, but this so much fun so fast paced that and it's just like you end up actually sort of dying and it starts you're waiting for this respawn and you're seeing your other players lives slowly go down it's like stay there stay there stay there yeah. and and it's also getting into like the use the abilities because you've got like the temporal console that you can use to bring you and anyone within 10 meters back and things like mm -hmm. that i'm saying so, it it was it was amazing. I honestly, I could not speak any higher of that event because they did a great job on that, and I'm just hoping it was all, that not only does it come back, but it's a test bed for a no win scenario event because maybe we won't get no win scenario back as a standard queue. Maybe we won't. 
but maybe instead no win scenario comes back as a week to two week event similar to the arena but the same setup is just never ending constantly getting harder and harder and harder until your team cannot win anymore and you'd have a challenge for everybody because of course that's the thing is can they they can't completely do the same sort of mechanics with no win scenario because you have also got to keep healing um, that ship. No, it would be slightly different, but that's what oh, I'm yeah. saying. Like you might have – instead of a lightning round, you might have a spatial anomaly round where there's a spatial anomaly directed at the freighter you're trying to keep alive. But also at the same time, because we've seen it in the temporal operative specialization, anomaly leash – you can make your gravity well and Tykens Rift actually move around. They could have it where there are Tykens Rifts and gravity wells just randomly moving around at a slow pace around the event while, during that round while you're fighting off enemies. So you're trying to maneuver and all of a sudden you get hit by this moving gravity well or this moving Tykens Rift while you're also trying to keep your freighter alive that's getting hit by one of each. No, but what I was leading into was the fact that they could bring in um, some of the mechanics like continuous leveling so it didn't just stop at 10. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, no, that's my what, whole point with yeah. this. Oh, uh, yeah. But no, what I was going to say is they could bring in a different queue which wasn't no-win scenario, which was basically the ground, ver- um, the space version of the ground arena where it is you just fighting. So it's complete pew-pew. It's not saving a ship. It's not the no-win scenario, because, of course, that is based on Just pure survival, then. And it is pure survival. So you could have the two, and that means they could rotate the space and the ground. So you'd have two different space ones. One is survival. One is for healing. And then you've also got the ground one as well. I I Uh, love that even more. Because then you could even do something where once every month or two, you have one of these missions. So you only play it once every quarter. And um, you could even have leadership boards and rewards for people who do put their time and effort to try and do some sort of min-maxing, how long they last, um, accolades. And you can associate all these extra little things that people could go and sort of aim to get. Because, like, for the no-win scenario, if they did have the two different space queues, when it came to the no-win scenario, as well as maybe getting accolades for just the kills like you've got, is you actually get accolades for how much healing you do to help promote more actually being the um, sort of the science person. Um, Things like that. So it becomes something different to just the pew-pew that we have for most of the missions. Um, and yeah, it means people try out different builds because there's a lot of people out there who will try and just get these accolades. I agree. Just as long as they're, they're bringing it back with this mechanic. Because, I mean, what's, what's one of the number one cues a lot of people still want back is no one scenario. And that's what I'm saying. We might not get it back the way that we remember it. It might not even be a regular, regular queue, but... The arena of Sopek showed us we could have a never-ending, real no-win scenario. Because the arena of Sopek, you couldn't win. It was just how long until you all die. Mm. So well, that was something that the devs said on the stream. That uh, the problem with no-win scenario was that everybody was winning it. 
Yeah, but with using the arena of Sopek type of mechanics, you couldn't win the arena. You just kept going until everybody died. Just modify what you're doing there for no win and can't win it. Wouldn't matter how much damage you can do or how much healing. Eventually, it will not be enough. It's just how far can you and the team go? Yeah, because they all then become, oh, there is no win missions. But yeah. then there's only one no-win scenario that's actually based on canon. So, um, so yeah, that sort of thing, just so much fun. As I said, I prefer space. And to have that in space in either or both of the iterations that I mentioned, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would love to have that back in. And especially if they also did leadership boards, which sort of they got reset, but... Also, when they did, if they did leadership boards for sort of max hits, they can do all sorts of things. Don't just make it on the one. So you'd have maximum level, um, sort of max DPS, max healing. And so lots of things people can aim for. And then after that event is finished, board gets wiped and people can then start again the next time round. And if you're in the top, say... A bit like with timelines does. If you're in the top, like one percent, you get these rewards. If you're in the top ten percent, you get these rewards. If you're in the top fifty percent, you get these rewards. So basically, a lot of players can get rewards for sort of playing the mission and getting better. And if you get a small reward for healing for DPS, doesn't matter which position you play in or which tactic you play in, you could still earn something. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, hell, leadership boards is one of the things that does push a lot of players, because they're just like, oh, well, you know, that it's not being tracked, so what do I care? Da, 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 da. When they have a leadership board, they might not, not everybody always tries to go for the top. I want to be the number one player. They just use the leadership boards for like, okay, well, I'm here now. Let me see if I can improve a little bit. That would yeah. help tremendously. And then there are the people who are like me, and once you introduce leaderboards, it turns them off from the event in- entirely in the first place. Well, you don't have to play for the leadership board. You can just play it for the main mission reward. That's yeah, but the see, thing. That, that creates the air of the whiny, bitchy other pug players in the first place. Well, yeah, we've but, already got them. But you're, you're going to get <laughs> that regardless if there's a leadership board or not. You're not so going to get rid got of them. them. <laughs> yeah, that's We've had them not, for seven years. That's never going to stop them from bitching. Ah, oh, your DPS sucks. Yeah, but sucks see, now they feel they you... have a reason to because there are rewards involved. Yeah, but if they're that determined to do it, the nine times out of ten, most of them who are properly doing it will do pre-made queues. They're not going to be pugging it in the first place. And I don't know. I don't know. All I know is there's some elitist scum out there who complains that that people who are casual players are doing advanced queues and not building up to doing elites like them. So, but but then you just do what you do with any spoiled little brat. <laughs> you just <laughs> scoff at them and <laughs> just walk away. <laughs> Don't Pretty bother much. engaging because it's just like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> And besides, at this, at this rate, most advanced queues in this game right now are not that challenging. You can go in there with 
the most unorthodox build in there and still contribute and do well. It's just the elitists are going to be elitists. Oh, well, you're not doing 150,000 damage every half a second out of your butthole, so you suck. You're going to have those kind of players. Alex has actually said in chat that the leadership boards could even be restricted to, say, elite or even advanced and elite, or even have a separate queue, one which is um, sort of competition that and one which is done competition. That I can get behind. There you go. Have a, have a standard and then have a, a competition board. There's a reason I only play the quick uh, quick play and arcade of Overwatch, because I ain't touching competitive. No way. Well, neither would I. The thing is, even if I haven't got a hope in hell and it's a little bit competitive, I will still try just to see how far I get, even if I'm doing it in a friendly manner. Because it's just interesting to me to see how my current setup, how it actually does. Cause it's well, like- and the leaderboards don't have to be public. I mean, the, the whole thing, I, and I know I keep using Call of Duty, but it's in Overwatch, it's in other games. Not only is there a leaderboard for as far as you can see where everybody is at, there's a personal leaderboard of sorts just for your own stats. Like, okay, well, this was your kill-death ratio for this match. This was your kill-death ratio for this match. So this is your average. This is your average for the amount of healing you do. A personal stats page where it's like, okay, this is where you're averaging at here just so you can see what you're doing. It wouldn't be anybody else's info. It would just be your personal info. That would help a lot of players just to say, oh, well, okay, I'm averaging around here. I'm doing this. I'm averaging this many deaths in a CCA. Some players wouldn't just mind that. Then it's their own info for their own personal use, whether it's, okay, I'm pretty good or I need to strive higher. And then there, that way there's no elitist there unless they post their own personal data to a Facebook group. And they're like, okay, well, critique me. If they're not doing that, it's their personal info. So it'd be individual leaderboards in a sense. Og in chat actually said nobody even complained when the entire team got wiped out standing in the water um, at the start of round three. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I- very rarely during this event, like I said, Sun is the only one I've heard of that has had that kind of experience with Arena having any complaints of elitism. I just, think Sun just attracts these people because I'm, I'm you to always seem to get them, Sun. It is true. I mean, every, I, every Sun, event. I'm making pre-made teams of people who are just going to like complain about things. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why it's just like, Okay, yeah, you made it to round 200. That's fine. I made it to round 73. That was my highest round for this arena. That, to me, is pretty damn good, considering I suck at ground. But it helped teach me a few things about ground. So at the same time, I know the next time it comes around, I can go a little bit further, especially if I have my own team. That enough was enough for me. And I know there's some people that are touting they went round two, three, five hundred, a billion... They blew up an entire planet, you know, whatever. But at least it gave people a gauge on what they could do. Alderaan. Yeah, it's just it was just one of those things. It was a fun event. It didn't matter the build for ninety nine percent of the player base. They were just out there having fun, and you could tell just by reactions to it, the videos that were made for it, just everything. It was a, I want to say at least a ninety five percent positive response. To this event. 
So I hope it comes back. I really do. It's going to. Yeah, it's as I said in chat ages ago now, <laughs> um, is it will come back. It's just a matter of when it will come back. So, but yeah, um, definitely looking forward to see if and what they will do for space because, well, we've been through different things we think they can do and I'm sure they have their own ideas as well. Okay, so now I guess it's time to have a look at some of the other news for Star Trek online. Now, PC-wise still, um, must have been several weeks back now we first mentioned that um, Windows XP um, and DirectX 3D um, are basically going bye-bye with regards to support. So basically you need DirectX 11 um, and basically Windows Vista and above um, in order to be supported on PC now. This wasn't a surprise, though, honestly. A lot of people, and it's it's going back to the fact that they don't even offer support from Windows for XP anymore. They've already told you, if you're using it, you're open to security risks, because we do not technically support Windows XP anymore. And they're trying to move away from Vista as well. So it, it does not surprise me that Star Trek Online would move away from supporting Windows XP themselves. Well, they I think unless you're still, operating on a government-run computer. Yeah. It seems but, to be every ARC game is now moving away from that. Yeah. I'd heard and Neverwinter it, announcing yeah. the same And it, it's thing. not only them who are doing that as well. There's a lot of gaming companies doing well, it. That's what I'm saying. It and I think it's more, to, it's more to do with the DirectX version, um, as far as I'm aware, rather than security risks, because... If you're still running a operating system in a live environment that has finished its all its security support, then you're just asking for trouble in the first place. But the main reason they're giving it up is because, especially with the graphics revamp for um, the stove con- um, stove on the consoles, they've had to sort of up the requirements of what they do graphics-wise, which means the old DirectX isn't supporting what what it does. So they have to move that along, which means Windows XP doesn't support it. So just by default, Windows XP and then eventually Windows Vista can't be supported because they won't actually sort of install um the later versions of it. I like I like the little blurb at the bottom. I like the little blurb at the bottom because it's just a big F you to Mac people. Well, no, it's just people are still asking about it because a lot of people had setups where they had a Windows XP virtual machine running off a Mac. Because that uh, was the only way they could play the game. Yeah. So, of course, it means that they can no longer do it. So it's just adding a little thing saying, look, if you were actually running it off this which wasn't supported then you're going to be in the same boat as the windows xp people on pcs itself so like i said it's just it's one of those things it's not surprising to be perfectly honest i mean a lot of people have been like oh my god this is surprise no it's not i mean if you're looking at how long 
these Windows operating systems and these versions of DirectX have been out, and then you compare it to what they're trying to do, it's not surprising at all. I mean, pretty much at this point, I don't think they're making games that are going to be compatible with anything less than, what, DX11 at this point, Windows 7 or or higher. So it, it'd only be natural for them as a gaming company to cut out all of this o- a lot older tech if they're trying to push the envelope and continue revamping and making it look better and handle better and everything else. I mean, well, they're up to what, like what, 12, 13 now? Directly? Yes. So, I mean, you wouldn't want a game to, that you're trying to improve to still hand, to be you know optimized for DX13. Oh, and by the way, it can still run DX9. Yeah. Well, mm, but, but, nah. But you're also, and that's the, that, that is both the rub of the gaming industry versus the consumer market. Because not everyone has the money to go out and buy a new thing every year to keep up with changing technology. Oh, they I know. Just it's, don't. it's what it's what PlayStation is getting had caught flat for for a bit there, and I don't know if they still are. They had just put out PlayStation Four because I had gotten one. L- you know, less than a year, year and a half later, all of a sudden, well, here's the PS4 Pro, which by the way is 4K ready. The PlayStation Four you bought a year ago doesn't have 4K, but this one does, and it supports VR. So if you want it, you got to spend another four hundred dollars to get the physical PlayStation Four Pro because it's not going to be a software upgrade. Honestly, honestly, I have to say th- that is that is um, that was the dick move. Well, no, that's Sony's Millennium Edition too, because there is so much crap that is wrong with the PlayStation Pro at this point. Oh, I know, but that was you know that was the the whole rub. Like, if you're a console player, okay, I bought my console. It should be able to last me several years before I buy the next one. You know, you bought the PlayStation Three in '06, and yeah, then but here see, it this is. This is happening. This is happening with Microsoft too. They're releasing the Scorpio, which is a step between the Xbox One and whatever the hell they're going to come out with next. Yeah, and they're going to, and it's something they're learning. They're getting more complaints about it because people don't have four hundred, five hundred dollars a year to shell out for it. Meanwhile, this Nintendo Switch just came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this is where people are starting to adopt the crapple model of you make a small tweak, add something to the name, and release it and charge a fortune for it. Yeah. So, um, but now it's gotten to the point where people aren't accepting that and crapple are actually taking losses. Uh, then they're not selling like they used to. Not to mention that people have actually gotten wise, thinking, I don't need to buy this bullshit, and I can actually get something like an Android, which I can do a hell of a lot more with. Yep. Oh, yeah, people are, uh, well, uh, that, and people ha- who have been keeping, like, their old, you know, their old iPhones and iPads and all that stuff, some of the stuff they've even, like, completely bricked the lines of making anymore, uh, people are still keeping those, uh, like, those technologies around with them and wholly just going look i'm sorry this there, there may be an update you're not updating because the moment you do none of my shit will work pretty much because people are seeing that 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 forced obsolescence that forced bricking of technology going through people like macintosh i'm sorry i'm not going to call them after a fruit 
I'm going to call them by their original name, uh, doing this kind of crap and going, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, we're we're not we're not we're not going to update because when you update, you change shit, and when you change shit, everything breaks, and I can't do anything anymore. Or I get the new the newest version of your tablet or phone, and it explodes. Because there is that. Face. Yeah, because yeah. there is that. I mean, you know, that, that became a thing last year. That hey, look, I got the brand new iBlam! That is apparently still a thing going on right now. Yeah. The thing is, well, I'm talking about exploding phones, just quick again, completely off topic. Um, I know Samsung had this huge problem with the Note, but at least with them, that they thought they'd fixed it, rolled out an update. It hadn't, and only four phones had actually exploded. And at that point, they recalled all of them. Whereas people like Apple, the amount of iPhones that have actually caught on fire and exploded, and still to date, I have not seen a product recall for any of it. Yeah. And most of the time, I've had people whose phones were overheating that they wanted to... Um, exchange or get a refund on their iPhone, and Apple went no. And see, and y- yes, to Samsung's credit, that's a that was a great thing, even to the point that they said, "Look, we're giving you like three months advance notice before they bricked we're, it for, for safety." We, yeah, <laughs> we are literally handing out a mandatory patch for every one of these Note Sevens, and that phone will no longer be usable, mm. which has never been done before, and. They lost, I think it was something like four billion because of it. But I think they took the correct route, and it's one of the first times that you actually see a manufacturer sort of taking the high road and actually doing what was right, um, which was actually to me very impressive. Um, but of course, they're under now a lot of pressure when it comes to the S8. Yeah, you're gonna um, release a phone that blows up now. Yeah. They've already done it once. Yeah, well, the thing is, they have proved it was the battery, so yeah. Oh, yeah, I could have told you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but the battery is going to have to go... Well, by the time that this one comes out, they are going to have gone through so much testing. <laughs> well, so. I'm, if Samsung is listening right now, here's your biggest problem. Don't always go to the fucking lowest bidder. There's the problem solved. I'm sorry, but the tech industry loves to always go, just like the military apparently, loves to always go to the lowest bidder because they want to save money, maximize that profit margin. Well, you saw what happened this time? Phones blew up in your on your consumer. Don't yeah. do it. But yeah, every manufacturer is doing it. Sort of Apple, it's been proven a lot of times, sort of like basically slave labor almost with what they're paying people in some parts of the world in order yeah, to but produce at this point, the apple phones because um, of this because of this do you really want to hear oh well yeah the iphone 8 we went we still went with that same uh same cheap labor so it's still the same cheap battery so it may blow up on you but we did some extra tests on it they're not going to hear that they're going to hear did you get a quality battery in here this time so it doesn't blow up on me Okay, now yeah. I'll buy it. Oh, you went with the same battery? Nope, not buying it. The last one blew up on my friend. Not doing it. Yeah. So they're gonna um, actually have to. They're gonna actually shell out a little extra to make for sure. Because you can only have that happen once and go. Oops, my bad. Let's look at making for sure. 
you make it happen a second time and it's like, yeah, we really don't care if you die or not when you buy our product and people won't buy it. But yeah, it, it's definitely been an interesting several months when it comes to tech and we're going to probably see a lot more of this in the coming years and sort of bringing this back around to Star Trek Online. It's going to be interesting to see with the movement for the increase of technology and gaming requirements, it'll be interesting to see how fast older models of technology or even software are going to be unsupported in the next few years. So, well, the good, I will say this about them, you know, they might have taken away DX9 and Windows XP and everything. The good thing, however, that I can uh, testify for when it comes to, even with lighting 2.0 and everything, it will still run on a budget PC that you buy straight out of Best Buy or Walmart. Um, bought, I bought my parents a laptop maybe a year ago tops that spent 250 bucks on it and it will run all the lighting changes. It'll run everything smoothly. Yeah, things you get a cheap modern laptop for a couple of hundred bucks or a couple of hundred quid. It will come with Windows 10 on it, mm -hmm. which automatically has DirectX 12, isn't it? Yeah. And what I'm saying yeah. is a lot of people have been like, oh, oh I, don't have, I don't have the money to get another $3,000 gaming rig. Well, you don't have to. Go out and buy a cheap laptop and use that until you can save up the money. By the time you save up the money, there's probably going to be one or two upgrades that you have to account for by then, but you'll have the money to get it. But at this point, you know, if your gaming rig is built with the kind of money that most high-ends are built with, if yours was built 10 years ago, you're going to have to reinvest anyway. The thing but is, when I started, are a lot better nowadays. Until was it two and a half years ago when my old laptop died? Because at that point, it was almost seven years old, and this is a Dell XPS, nearly seven years old, and it was running the game okay. Yes, the graphics quality, because the graphics card hadn't got that much memory or anything else like that wasn't spectacular and even the cheapy rental laptop that i got in as a replacement star trek online just looked beautiful in comparison <laughs> but even that old laptop where sort of the maximum amount of ram i could stick in was a gig after upgrading it um, and even before then when it was half a gig ran Star Trek Online without issue with minimum graphics. Yeah. I'm just trying because there have been some arguments oh well now because of these changes you won't you won't be able to play it unless you have a high end thing. At the very least now they've made it, you know, a budget PC can do it at least because of how budget PCs are being made now. Yeah, you no, don't have to drop a tremendous amount of money if for some reason your PC is outside of the current range that will now be offered. Yeah. At least Star it won't Trek, cost you a lot of money to play it. Yeah, Star Trek Online has always been good at supporting low-end machines. And even with dropping XP and DirectX 9, the requirements, especially for what you get with a lot of games, is still low. Yeah. So, cause, yeah. Well, it has to be because it's an MMO. There are still MMOs out there which require a hell of a lot more power than 
what Star Trek Online does. True, but generally speaking, in a casual sphere, you're not going to have everybody with the latest end machine anyway, especially when they're all working together in an online environment. Anyways, now we move on. So, patch notes for the PC dated the 2nd of March. Um, so, we've just discussed the fact that it's dropping... Um, the support for Windows XP and DirectX 9. So links for further information will, of course, be in our show notes. Now, also we've had a fix that the 23rd Century Bridge Officers now have a stance animation in the character select screen. And the weekly reward has now been removed from of signs and portents, which is annoying because... Us, because of health and work, I never actually got to get the last week's reward. So I saw that. And went, I didn't Dow. even. I didn't even know there was a reward last week for it. Well, I didn't because either. it was a well, trait. You, um, you replay the mission and you get the second trait because there are two traits: there's a ground and a space one. So if you replay I it, I thought and it was a week before last. I, I yeah. didn't realize the traits was... came yeah. out. The, yeah. the traits came out at the same time. It was just you could replay it twice to get both of them. Yeah, so if you replayed it the week after, you could also get the upgrade um, token or the spec point. Yeah, I didn't so, know they were still doing that. Like, yeah, I, I found out about yeah. it yesterday when I saw the patch no- when I saw the patch or Wednesday when I saw the patch notes. I'm like, ooh, another spec point. Let me go ahead and grab this right KDF well, tune. I noticed that the date was still in the calendar, and I thought. Oh, so I'd accepted the mission, and I thought, I'll wait to play it next week. Only thing is, is because my health went downhill and work got busy, I didn't get time to. So I saw it in patch notes and went, no, (laughs) missed it. Because I was wanting to get the other tech upgrade, because they're really good ones as well. Um, You need tech upgrades. Yeah. Only thing is, it's just industries. Is I just now need time to actually get in game to actually use the damn things. <laughs> so, for systems, um, the Sonpec lighting module, which you got if you actually completed the arena three times, um, so once each day, which annoyingly something I missed out on. I hadn't actually noticed that. Um, I was within the 20 hour limit on one of, on my final playthrough. So, um, yeah, I didn't actually get the third one. So I went to hand them in and went, why have I only got two? So yeah, I didn't actually get the Sonpec lighting module myself, but, um, they've actually done some changes to that. They've increased the base damage and the DOT damage. Now DOT is damage over time. Yes. Yes. Um, it's got 50% shield bypassing, a chance chance to apply a hold and DOT has been increased to 50%. Added tricorder, tricorder animation to players when using this power and resolves an issue where the ultra rare hyperonic radiation kit module was non-functional. So they were the items that were in the patch notes for this week okay so time to move on to some console updates 
Star Trek Online Console News. So, for the featured episode, Echoes of Light, you're now on week three of the rewards. So, the reward added this week is the Norsecan Energy Torpedo Launcher. So, and as we mentioned with the featured episode, we were just talking about um, for the PC that if you play it, you have a chance of picking up an enhanced universal tech upgrade or a captain specialization point box. So um, go replay the mission and grab the rewards. Um, you're also on week three of the Temporal Agents weekly event rewards. So server-wide bonuses R&D experience. So during this third week, completing R&D assignments will provide <laughs> progress to the server-wide bonus. And then next week, all your characters will earn will um, benefit from um, what you do this week. So that's it for console news. Um, we haven't heard anything more from Geese um, just yet. So um, yeah, hopefully he'll be back next week. Okay, now it's time to move on to Star Trek Timelines. It's time for Timelines? Time for Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. I'm sorry, that is still my favorite intro. For one reason only, it is frickin' Q. <laughs> uh, so, this weekend, we mentioned... Last week, they did an announcement for what was coming this week, which was great, though I haven't seen anything about what's coming next week. But um, yeah, this week we have the Galaxy event um, with the event called The Whole Truth. It's an interesting event to say. We've already apparently earned all of the community rewards. That happened today, which was a very rare it was a four-star Baku Wharf. It's showing him with that little, was it, the isokinetic disintegrator, the bazooka that he's firing off? Yeah. He's got that. Um, the next one was Combat Medic Paris, which, I, if I remember correctly, that was from the killing game in Voyager. Where they were, yes, that's right. Where they're in um, World War II um, yeah. creation. It was in that. And then the last one was a... 10x dilithium portal reward. So you yep. could get ten, a full 10 pack from the dilithium um, get guardian of forever deal thingy. Um, yeah, that's I, quite, I was quite surprised because it's like, oh, the rewards are flashing already. I'm sure it hasn't finished yet. Then I no, realized there's the, is the community bit. It's like, oh, that's early. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we've got phase two starting tomorrow. Um, and off my 10 pack that I got, I ended up getting an Orion slave. What was it? Orion slave guard or commander. And I realized it was the big show from when he showed up in the, the, uh, enterprise episode. I believe it was affliction. No, it was, uh, one of the ones where they were doing the augments, but it was the big show from WWE. So I thought that was kind of cool, but 
yeah, the community events have already been reached and claimed. Um, and I'm just glad that I still have, I'm still getting occasionally from these events, five extra slots for these, uh, officers. Otherwise I would have probably had to throw these two guys away today. Oh, that's the issue I've now got is trying to decide what I'm going to keep and get rid of because, um, I'm stuck on 155 and still can't afford to for another 3,000 dilithium to get five more. Yeah, I've so. only got 45. I've just been going off of what they give away for free. <laughs> so um, I, I have worked um, recently to remove all my one stars by basically vaulting them all. So I got all of them now up to 100 so um so yeah that's made things a little bit easier for me to free up some slots but yeah i'm back to run out now so i've got to decide what i'm doing with three characters <laughs> so it's like don't <laughs> but yeah um as timberwolf mentioned um the new characters that were brought out this week for this event was baku wharf and combat medic paris so they are both super rare four stars and then the legendary five star character um is an existing one which is grand nagus rom so um so yeah it's been good to get them so um yeah there's something else i was gonna say about timelines and it's completely blanked <laughs> was that about your locutus of borg Ah, yes. Um, as people will know, when it came to doing the gauntlet um, recently, I mentioned about the fact that I put a load of effort, resources, and even a little bit of cash in order to not only get first place in my gauntlet, but take a lead of nearly double the amount of awards that anybody else had got only not to be guaranteed a Locutus of Borg, which was really frustrating. Strangely enough, that's the next gauntlet. Um, I just really didn't have it in me to do properly, so I won probably about five matches and then didn't play again and got some crates and nothing spectacular. Then the gauntlet after that, I actually did even worse because I only played a couple, but somehow managed to get a crate that actually did give me Lacutus the Borg. <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, it's still just the fact that I wish they would at least for the winners is to guarantee a legendary character, even if it's not the cutest, but maybe another one or a random one based on the trait. Um, and then you've got the random chance of just getting Lacutus for just playing. Um, I don't know. No, I, just... I would have thought the best thing would have just, you know, give you an option. I mean, that's been some of the rewards if you get a legendary is it goes through the portal and then you have a choice of three based off of it. I mean, that to me would be the easiest solution. Give you a choice of at least three different ones. Yeah, but they still need to fix that because they just tell you how many you've got. They don't tell you that you've maxed it out. Because there's been the times where I've thought, oh, I'll go with that one because I'll try and get them so they're fully fused. 
um, forgetting the fact that I already had that character fully fused. So I've now just got a character that I don't want to duplicate, and I then airlock. So yeah, um, but yeah, hopefully they add that soon. Um, as I mentioned, unfortunately, there has not been much in the way seen for what they're doing next week. I was hoping they would keep that up, but unfortunately they haven't, which is a shame. Alrighty. Well, we don't have any Star Trek news this week. Because, um, yeah, despite the fact that we've already been going for an hour and a half on, which is basically a slow news week, um, <laughs> yeah, we seem to have... Um, what, how do they say it? The gift of the gap. <laughs> uh, so we can definitely debate these topics. So, but we do have a little bit of news for some stuff um, to do with Star Trek TV and film. So it's time for us to head over to the main viewer. Main viewer. I did not know that you were on that level with a computer, Midnight. That's kind of creepy. Well, you know me. I talk binary. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> now, we'd mentioned, I think it was in um, last week's show, that we'd got a date um, semi-confirmed from someone, um, I think, wasn't it one of the actors? Um, um, wasn't Doug it Jones, um, Doug Jones the, who yeah, had sort the, of mentioned the, the ape sapien guy from Hellboy? Yeah, he, he, he was doing sort of, an interview and he said, "He said, yeah, you could expect it sometime September-ish." Yeah. Um, now we've actually had Deadline dot com um, release um, some information. Um, basically, they had talked to Les Moonves. I said his name right. I think that's how it said, yes. Yeah. So he's the CBS chief, and he actually told investors at the Morgan Stanley Technology, Media, and Telecom Conference, um, and of course this is regarding the release of Star Trek Discovery, that it should be sometime late summer, early fall, that we're looking at um, probably right now. Um, so, of course, at the moment... It was originally um, scheduled to be out when it comes to January, and that was then moved to May, and that's now been moved to basically early autumn. So, is it just is it just me, midnight, or has this become? Um, it'll come out when it comes out, and I'm not going to believe anything that they say until it comes out. Kind of deal. Pretty much. Pretty I, is, much. It, is it just me? Because they've moved it back now three times, and I'm just like. Okay, yeah, I'm going to believe your release date when I get to the release date and it actually happens. Until yeah. then, give me updates about what's going on with the show itself and not a release date. Okay, but that's the thing. They haven't given a date. They've just said, this is where they're now aiming for. I know, but it's, the third, I, it's now the third time, okay, well, we're aiming for this. Well, yeah. now I don't now, care you, when you you're aiming that, it. Well, you, you say that like they've not had legitimate reasons for doing it in the first place. Well, it's just to the point now, if there's going to be another setback, eh, 
Like, we've already expected setbacks. Let's get instead, okay, well, where are you at now? Instead of telling us what you're shooting for, just tell us what you have currently instead. Come back a little bit more positive. Because if you're just telling me, okay, well, this is where we have so far, okay, cool. It means you're getting closer instead of, oh, well, because this fell through the cracks, now we have to push back further. A pushback sounds a lot more negative than this is where we're at currently. And we're not going to speak about a release date, even attempt to say we're going to shoot for this date. Instead, this is just where we're at. Okay, now, if we didn't already know that they were in production, we hadn't already had that little production trailer, which showed that things are moving, then maybe I can see your point. But we know they've already started... Hang on. We know that they've already started filming... Now, the fact that they've delayed it means that there's stuff that they want to do. Now, Star Trek, with any sci-fi, requires a lot of post-production. So things are requiring more time. And rather than doing what they had to always do when it came to being on the TV networks, which was something had to be done and done quick, which is why in a lot of Trek, we do have these bad filler episodes which is where, so for example, they had this really crap script, but it got used because they needed to get something out. Now they can do it where the scripts are done. They are tighter, more controlled. They can make sure that things are on the production level that they want it to be on because part of this um, post that Deadline.com actually released um, the CBS chief actually says it's important to get it right. And Star Trek is the family jewels. We're not going to rush it in. There's a lot of post-production, but I'm very confident based on what I've seen so far. And to be honest, my personal feeling, I would rather them delay it and do it properly than release it. And it looking like shit because I'm, I'm the exact same way. I'm the exact same way. Here's the thing. You're saying you're you're delaying it because you want it the best thing. Okay, don't tell me anything more about when you're trying to shoot it out for. I could care less when it comes out at this point because you're wanting to guarantee it's good. Simply tell me where you're at. Only do updates about where you're at production rise. And don't tell me anything of what date you're shooting for or a release date until it's done. But that's the thing. Everyone keeps asking for that information. So they have a schedule. So, yes, if things don't look right, it will, by what's been said, it will be pushed back again. But the fact that they're already in production, by the sounds of things, they've already started on post-production because they've noticed that they want to probably smarten things up in certain things, which means more rendering time and all sorts of things now they know ah actually this is going to actually add on an extra two maybe three months right so they then push it back so that's why we've now got probably end of august beginning of september possibly but then what happens when oh well we got to push it back again well then we got to push it back again because that can always happen again. Production costs could go up and you could have an actor drop out or any number of things could happen. I'm simply saying forget focusing on release date because it keeps changing. You, you keep answering the, the people. Oh, it keeps pushing back. So now the number one constant that everybody's hearing is 
well, it's probably going to get pushed back. Just if- so, just solely focus on, okay, well, this is a glimpse of this. This is where we're at. Don't focus on the release date. Make that a minor thing at the bottom of the page. Oh, by the way, this is because of all these things. It's probably looking like this. If but don't make ha- a big deal about it. If they hadn't already started um, production, then yes, I would agree. But now they've started production, and by the sounds of things, that they have actually started also post-production. I think they can now be in a position where they know roughly where it will be. Yes, there could be something that stops it from actually getting out still. But I think now at this stage, that's very unlikely. I don't think we will get another delay coming out. And maybe it's just me, but once again, this is another project. I'll believe it when I see it. They pushed it back too much. I will not believe it comes out next fall unless it actually comes out next fall. Because everybody was hyped up that it's coming out in 2016, and then it didn't. Oh, it's coming out in January. Oh, then it didn't. So, you know, it could be absolutely phenomenal when it's finally out, but I'm not going to believe it comes out in September of this year unless it debuts September of this year. Just because. I mean, for all you know, your main character that you want to follow decides you're not paying her enough, and she decides to drop out next week. Well, then that requires a whole lot of rewrites, potentially, or recasting, which can take weeks on itself, which would push back production. I'm not. I'm just not going to believe it. It's just Especially one of those things. When your people are involved in other productions as well. Yeah, because they the actors themselves aren't just focused on discovery. They could get a lucrative movie deal or you know, a production deal with another TV show that if anything holds gets held up again with this show, they look they go, look, I've already signed a contract with this show and they are on time. I have to go to there so I can't make the deadline with this show. And then you they have what, to drop out. You know what the issue is? You're just a complete hater. Not really. I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> well, see, here's my thing. I have been waiting. Shots fired. Shots fired. I have been waiting for a Star Trek show to be back on television since 2005 because I was one, probably one of the few that did not want Enterprise to end the way it was and was pissed off about that ending because yeah. they had such a potential for where they were going. And then they ended it on a crappy holodeck episode. So I have been waiting since 2005 for a television show. So you're damn right. If it's going to come out, I want it to be top notch. I want you to give me a reason why I should love that Starship design. Because right now, mm. but if you give me a good enough reason behind it, there is a backstory behind it. You you give me a reason to love it. I will love it. I will love the character, even though it's not, even though the main character is not a captain of that starship. It's really a first officer, or, you know, whatever. Give me a reason. You give it top notch. I will be all in it. Just don't give me a date to look forward to. And then sixth time you do it, you're still pushing it back. Because, well, this actor fell out because it took us too long to do it. Let me be surprised about when it comes out. Because then I can be like, oh, it actually did come out. Oh, yay, it's amazing. That, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. Just, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just disbelieving the September. The thing is, you'll be surprised... It's like you have a look at many of the sort of Marvel things, DC. They're planning rough dates years in advance. And that's the same with a lot of TV stuff out there. And 
these things do change and quite often. It's just the fact that for Trekkies, we have been waiting for over a decade now for a new TV series. Well, it's not just that. They did make a promise in a way that this television show would happen within the 50th anniversary. That was a big thing. It's coming out with the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And right now, if they go past September of next year, they've gone past the 50th. Because the the 50th technically started this past September, as you stated, and would end next September. So if you release in October of next year, you've missed not only 2017 – that you've you know 2016 you've missed the entire year that would have encompassed that you've missed the deadline that all the trekkies want this to debut on and i think that is the reason why they have pushed it back and they have pushed it back to the latest that they can to be within the 50th anniversary because they have basically said late summer early fall so that is just before um it turns 51 so it technically does get released in the know, 50th anniversary. And I hope it does. But and because of how they've done it, I'm a little jaded. I'm a, a little disbelieving yeah. of them. And one of the other things that I think that it won't be pushed back is the fact that because they said their aim is to have it released in the 50th anniversary, and of course that would be part of the promotion, finishing off the 50th anniversary, this is the release. Um, now... Because they've put this um, expected date back to the very final part of the 50th anniversary could mean that we might see it earlier because we know, as I said, from the way things have been worded and things have been said, we know they're in production. We know for some things they're already in post-production for some of the things that have already been shot over the last several weeks that they have a schedule and I think they've pushed it back to that end point to give themselves extra time if they need it so if they don't need it we might even see that pushed forward because that way they're not giving news of ah we're pushing it back by an extra couple of weeks um because we thought we'd have it at say mid-august and it's going to be the beginning of september for example so but as you said until it is out we will never know it's a business practice a lot of business practices have. If it's not documented, if it, it didn't happen. Well, right now, the show isn't out, so it didn't happen. And until well, it's out, it didn't happen. Alex has said fall starts September 22nd, 23rd. Early fall might not be early enough. Um, to that, I would say a lot of people class fall of starting at the beginning of September um, rather than when things technically start on date wise so i think that's just a generalization of roughly what the month would be when that might have been stated but again until it's out we will never know for sure so but at least we do know that it's definitely not going to be may because yes we did get these things from unofficial sources from people who aren't showrunners or the network runners but now we've got that, which is one of the things that I said I would like to have seen. So, um, so yeah. Um, I mean, I'm hoping it comes out before September because the, the other big problem they're going to run out run into is if they literally wait to the last moment with September being a lot of season starters and everything, you could run into you release it 
because a lot with a lot of TV shows, it's about metrics like cryptic. What do you know? You could run into it. You're releasing it, but then something else draws away some of your viewer base because they're not only interested in what you're releasing, they're also interested in something else that releases the same weekend that you release. And that would be a big problem for them for viewership because then all of a sudden they spent all this time on it and the first few episodes they're competing with, you know, by the maybe the fourth week, if they wait too long, fourth week they're competing with the first episode of the new season of Walking Dead and The Walking Dead's promised all this stuff. And let's say the fan, there's a lot of fan base that likes both shows. Well, now they have to pick depending on what time it comes out because they never set a time – of course, since they don't have a date, they don't have a time, you could be competing for viewership from shows from that specific time slot. And if you wait too late, oh, well, the, the metrics on the first few episodes, you don't have the viewership, not doing that great, so let's cancel it after season one. And it could be simply because it debuted so late in the year that it's actually when all these other shows debut and they're just – everybody is grabbing for their audience. Everybody's just grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. And because of that, your viewership isn't there. Which is another reason why I think they said late summer, early fall as a way to say and that they might actually move it forward rather than saying when they expect to have it because they want to try and get it in for the summertime before all these other big things kick off. So I mean, that's, it's... that's why I think there's a chance we're actually going to actually have it possibly sooner than what they've just stated because i know they said the first episode would be on regular television just so they can get everybody hooked in and then the rest of them are on the cbs app the only other thing they're gonna have to compete with you know they might be able to get it out early and it beats all the networks the only other thing that's going to compete with them in the long run is all of these other apps that based for um entertainment they're releasing their own original content netflix has been doing it for a long time now hulu just started youtube has done it just in the past year and a half with was it youtube red where it's a paid subscription and you get this custom content from the youtube creators and all of this um well actually youtube are going one step beyond that this last week they have announced they are actually going into um, oh yeah i heard TV about that streaming so yeah. Um, you are now going to be able to subscribe. Initially, it will be in, of course, as always, the USA first before they roll it out anywhere else. So, yeah, they are going to start streaming a lot of stuff from, I think, NBC, ABC, and a load of other networks. So you can, for a few dollars a month, um, stream it through your YouTube account. Yeah. And that'd be long term what they have to compete with. But if they can beat the standard television debuts of mid September, they should be okay. Because all these original series on Netflix and Hulu and Red and all of these things, those happen randomly. They don't go on a schedule, they just debut them. It could be middle of March and they're debuting a new series that goes till October. They really don't follow the standard model that closed circuit television and cable and all that follow. But I don't think that's going to hurt them. It's going to be when they release for regular television. Cause if you can't hook them on the first episode on regular television, they're not going to jump to the app because they were already watching something else. And by the time they might've seen it on their T 
TiVo or their recording device, it might be too late. Your metrics might have already told you it's not going to do well. I'm hopeful that it comes out sooner. I just don't want them to go too late or keep delaying it because they have they can have something that's really good there, and then if it gets delayed too much or if it debuts at the wrong time, all that hard work that we as the fans could love ends up going away because their metrics tell them it didn't do well, even though we love it. That's the thing. What people class as metrics for TV that they watch now will, of course, be different when it comes to streaming because people have different habits. So they will be monitoring for different things because there are going to be people who won't watch it week on week. They will wait until the entire thing is finished and then they'll binge watch because there's a lot of people when it comes to streaming they wait and watch it all in one. So the but what I'm usual saying is that, met- that, first no. ep- that first episode is on regular television. They yeah. could base a lot of things just off the first episode since it's regular television, especially if they want to have it where it's on no, not just they the app. Can't. No, they can't. Not really. No. The, the, the viewership of, of television stuff has decreased significantly considering the streaming services that are available. This is why they're trying to push CBS All Access with the, the Star Trek show. Yeah. So, uh, I have a feeling they're looking for it because if they were just – if they were like, oh, well, we know the TV ratings for standard television is on the decline. We won't get accurate numbers. They wouldn't put the first episode on television. It's like, oh, we, we already know it will do better if we just do streaming, force everybody from episode one on to get the app. Because if you put the first episode on regular television, if you know you're going to get terrible viewership because no one, no one's going to watch it on standard television because of all the apps, eh, it's it's just unreliable anyway. You'd have to ignore everything. Why not just put it on the app and just see what's really going on from episode one and initial viewership? You you know what I mean? Like if you're wanting from day one to see how well it's going to do, let's just go ahead and put it on the app, and then from day one you can see. Yay, this is what streaming habits we're going to see. The, honestly, the the only reason and this is this is, you know, my personal opinion, the only reason they're even doing this in the first place is because there are so many fans out there who said you're putting it behind a paywall when it's been on the television for like forever and now you're putting it I'm not in I'm not interested in investing in something that I don't know the outcome of. The the first episode is literally here. This is what this show will provide. And then if you want to, you can go and pay for it on CBS All Access. That's the only reason this exists the way it does. Now, in our chat, Alex has said didn't CBS say they would follow the usual TV schedule? So, no binge watching or did they go back on that announcement? I'm pretty sure they said no binge watching, but hey, maybe I misremember that. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of the newer series, like what was it, Orange Is the New Black, they didn't follow standards. When they released yeah. season one, it was the entire season one, and then the entire season two came out. That way, you have the instant gratification. You know what the entire season is. You just focus solely on filming the next season. Yeah. Which wouldn't fit with Star Trek anyway, because it was a weekly thing. But yeah, now, where, what the th- with Netflix, they have two models. One is they will release 
the entire thing all in one and you've got orange is the new black um you've got all the marvel stuff um tv programs like that they tend to come out all at once and then a lot of their other even their original um series as well will come out on a weekly basis so they do mix it up i think it depends on a lot of factors um now when it comes to star trek um discovery cbs has said that it will be released weekly but that doesn't mean that there's no binge watching because somebody can still decide to wait for 10 weeks after it's finished doing all 10 episodes or 13 episodes whichever they do because there are still indications that it's going to be between 10 and 13 um basically they wait till it's all done and then someone can binge it because it'll always be accessible because it's on a streaming platform so it's not that no binge watching is allowed it's just that the initial launch of each episode will be weekly so if you watch it as it's released you'll have to wait for each installment week by week but after it has been released you can watch it all in one and you'll still have the complaints of the people putting it behind a paywall because if just the first episode is on regular television and the rest of it's behind the paywall they're still going to complain oh you teased me with one episode and now i have to pay such and such to get it at least until a couple of brave nerds out there decide they're going to just record it and put it out there for free because we all know that's going to happen but the thing is this is nothing different netflix amazon they've been doing this now for years yeah but not with star trek they didn't put episode one of star trek out there and then oh well here's episode one for free now if you want the rest of them you gotta pay for them no but it's not the first thing that's done it like all the stuff with marvel that's basically gone behind a paywall if you want to watch daredevil um iron fist um you've got um jessica jones so anything marvel like that if you're a comic book fan those people would have been saying exactly the same thing but at the end of the day you want to see it you pay for it or you wait for it to be released on dvd or blu-ray yeah just but those those started off where they were they can use those mechanics whereas the star trek community can honestly say it for 50 years it's been free to watch yeah, but people could have the watched the Marvel um, cartoons based on those series um, for free on any network channel that had it at the time. So, but the thing is, as all these things, it doesn't matter what they do or how they arrange it. There's someone going to be bitching about it. Just the same way that people are saying, oh, this thing's dead in the water because we've not seen anything yet. This thing's dead in the water because it's going to be a prequel the thing is nobody has seen it nobody knows how it's going to do until it's actually out and the same thing happened with the next generation the amount of people who saw the original series and then as soon as there's announcements about the next generation people saying it won't be popular everyone will hate it no one's going to watch it it's just like and i hear these stories about what they did then and I see all these people posting, I'm not going to watch it. Um, It's going to be shit. And it's just like, how the fuck do you know whether it's going to be good or bad? It's just like, just wait. When it's released, 
watch it, then say what you think. Just it's like all these people bitching about things that haven't actually been released. <laughs> it's just like seriously. I just know one thing, and this this parallels with food. It will be a lot better when it's free. Because I don't know about anybody else, but when you get you pay for a meal, it doesn't feel, taste nearly as good as if someone else paid for it and it's free to you. Yeah, but there are still people who bitch about a free lunch anyway. Yeah. Then they're stupid because they didn't have to pay for it. That's that's their own stupidity. I'm sorry. You get you get fed for free by the company, and you're complaining because oh well, it, I didn't want a tuna fish sandwich. Okay, well it was free, so either you don't eat it or you do, but. You didn't have to pay for it. Oh. Just like with Star Trek Star Trek Deep Space Nine. People hated that show, but guess what? It was free. Yeah, well, technically so Star Trek Online, that's free to play, but still people who are free to play still bitch about it. Well, because it's broken as hell. Yeah, but that could be the same with any franchise or game out there. There's nothing that's out there that's absolutely perfect all the way through. Dig Dug was perfect. I will take your apology now. What did you say was perfect? Dig Dug. What the hell is Dig Dug? Atari. We're going to go all the way back to Atari. Yeah. No <laughs> argument. I won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. It yeah. didn't need 15 DLCs in weeks of patching to make it work. It didn't have a paywall. You just bought it and, oh, okay, I've got a joystick and a button. Dig Dug cool. doesn't care what kind of uh, graphics card you've got. That's right. It the just takes is, it. The thing is, Og um, Ovskish in chat has actually said, I subscribe to the movie network to get access to Stargate, Atlantis, and Dexter. This is no different. And the thing is, in America, a lot of the channels, a lot of just standard content is on. You have to pay extra in order to get those channels. Um, same in the UK. A lot of the new TV series that come out will be on Sky TV only or Virgin only. And you need to have been subscribing and paying for those services in order to get it. So to say that it should be completely free because that's how it used to be. But the thing is, that's not always how it used to be because some shows you had to pay to subscribe to those channels. It's the same in fear of the walking dead in the uk unless you had a bt account where you had the abc network on it you couldn't watch fear of the walking dead when it first got released so these things are not new the only difference is is that when it comes to cbs all access it is streaming like netflix it's not over a network um setup apart from that first episode and it's the way things are going and to be honest, I prefer this model. If I want to see something, I will subscribe to it. Netflix was releasing a lot of stuff that I did want to watch. And then I subscribed to Netflix. I watched it. I unsubscribed. Then Netflix got Star Trek and I subscribed and I haven't stopped because I've continued to watch everything Star Trek on there. And I have a different now- theory. My theory is going to be, if you can't get it, you just wait for it to become the most pirated show on the internet, like Game of Thrones, because that happens. It doesn't matter what honestly, show it is. Honestly, I, uh, at this point, okay, Game of Thrones is the most pirated show on the internet? Cool. I still haven't watched it, and I don't give a damn. 
the thing the thing is no matter what show it is <laughs> someone is still going to pirate it no matter what show it is whether it's free or not it's still going to happen well i just don't want them to say well it didn't do well because not enough people bought the cbs all access to to, to watch it well yeah so anyway star trek beyond has actually been nominated for five awards um when it comes to the Saturn awards They've been nominated for Best Science Fiction Film Release. Chris Pine has been nominated for Best Actor in a Film. Zachary Quinto has been nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Film. And Monica Hubert and Joel Harlow for Best Makeup. Um, sorry, Best Film Makeup. And um, additionally, Star Trek The Animated Series was released on Blu-ray. Um, so, I'll just say this: If they don't win best makeup, I riot. For the simple fact, who in the hell thought that they had better that freaking Suicide Squad has better makeup in a film than Star Trek Beyond? I'm sorry, someone was smoking some crack. No, the um, makeup in Star Trek Beyond was fantastic. Um, I would like to say that uh, Star Trek Beyond has also been nominated for a Woody Award. And for those of you who don't know, Woody is the uh, the Woody Awards is the Porn Industry Film Awards. What? So seeing an alien chick gave someone in the porn industry a Woody, and therefore they are giving it a Woody Award. Got it. They're 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 nominated for the best non-sexual movie category. We'll take it. It's a hard act to follow. I'm telling you. I mean, that, you could say one... it's been a long time coming. It was just one of those award show moments like you look at all the effort that they went in for star trek beyond with all these different aliens and the detail and the quality they went into for this and then you look at suicide squad and half of them just look like they just threw crap at their actors from about 30 yards away with a potato gun um the potato gun movie one what no the thing is there star trek beyond got robbed so they better win the Sesson Award. You know who else got robbed at the Oscars? America. The movie Midnight? <laughs> oh, there was a movie called Midnight there and it lost? Mm -hmm. No, no, it's not that it lost. The, um, the, the publishing house that prints the little cards that say, and the winner is so-and-so so and such-and-such. So yeah. Handed the wrong card to one of the announcers for best. Oh, yeah. That was so the guy with the, the best picture comes out with a card that literally says Emma Watson, and he looks at his co-host, and they both go La La Land, and La La Land gets up there, and somebody freaks out behind the stage, and they're like, "No wait, no wait, this one won, this one won." Yep, that's funny. So yeah, Midnight got got robbed of of its initial shock value and screen time for winning best picture at the Oscars. So how do you feel about that, Midnight? You got robbed always. Uh. I haven't actually seen that film yet. I've like, never even heard of it. Same here. I hadn't heard of it until I heard all the hoopla about um, the Oscars. So, just like, what film is that? <laughs> I think I must just be really, really, really behind on the news. I don't, I don't, the, the last time I went to the movie theater was premiere weekend for Star Trek Beyond. And before that, I think the last time I went to the movie oh. theater was four or five years ago. I actually have a cinema pass uh, myself that I started getting um, 
a couple of months ago. Oh, Alex says in chat, sun probably means moonlight and Emma Stone, not Emma Watson. There, I'm terrible sun, re- sun really doesn't like names. I'm terrible <laughs> Sticky with out names. tongue. <laughs> I've always been terrible with names. So, Midnight, I understand that you've watched a hell of a lot of Star Trek. I have indeed. Didn't so, you just finish the entire freaking all-episode list? I have. Um, as people listening will know that I'd started doing my rewatch, because... Well, one, I hadn't watched the animated series, which I wanted to watch, and I thought there might be a couple of the original series I hadn't seen. So when Netflix in the UK um, actually got the contract to stream all of the TV for Star Trek, I started watching it. Plus, I, I also bought the box set for the original 10 Star Trek films as well. Um, So I have now watched every episode, so all 726 episodes and all 13 movies since July 1st. Um, And I finished that on the 1st of March. So that was eight months it took to watch 726 episodes and 13 movies. Did you watch Galaxy Quest as well? No, I haven't watched Galaxy Quest. Boo. But I, I did... Real fan. But I did, after I watched TOS, I did then watch all the Star Trek Continues because I'd actually delayed watching Star Trek Continues until I'd finished properly watching all of the original series because most of the original series episodes that I had seen were actually out of order. So I actually wanted to <laughs> view it in order. So... And then after I watched TOS, I watched TAS, and then I watched Continue, so that way it, it also followed through. I'm so, sort of surprised that you can even mention Star Trek now that you've watched that many episodes of it. You're not just completely like, get away from me, Star Trek, I've seen you enough. He's a fan! <laughs> you shut well, your non-fan face! <laughs> the thing is... It's not just that, but there were some episodes that, of course, I have actually watched more than once because, like, some podcasts may have covered that I've done have covered certain episodes, so I've rewatched certain ones multiple times. I'm ready for podcasts, and like, for example, Star Trek Beyond. Just seeing that at the cinema, I saw twice, and then when I got the Blu-ray, I then watched it again another couple of times. And, yeah, there's a couple of the films that um, Charlie wanted to watch. So I watched it myself and then re-watched the films. So, yeah, there's been a lot of Trek that I've seen more than once during this rewatch as well. So, um, so yeah, it's not just watching everything just the once either. And especially as Charlie's actually got on his Netflix children's account, Star Trek is actually on there. So um, I'll, he'll also be watching his own episodes uh, when I come in and um, from work. So um, I'll that see it That surprises me, considering the Bluegill episode. I don't think all episodes are on the children's account. Ah, okay. um, I have noticed that there are some um, episodes that tend to be missed. Um, I bet there's a lot missing from DS9 then, because, oh my god. So, or I don't know if it's maybe a different edit. Um, 
where some things just slightly cut a different way. Um, I haven't seen everything and he's just started watching um, his own stuff instead of watching some things with me. So, well, like I said, I, I'm, su- I'm surprised that the Bluegill, if the Bluegill episode is there, I'm surprised that the Bluegill episode is there because like Picard and yeah. Riker phasering a guy till he obliterates. Well, that on BBC Two used to be cut out. You just see them firing the phasers, and then it just goes on to Captain's Log, we killed it. Yeah, and pretty then much. When it was shown on Sky 1 at 5 o'clock, it was the same cut. But then when it was on again at midnight, it was the full episode with the um, the head popping and the gut busting and the vaporizing of the, the bug. That's what I'm saying. I would imagine quite a bit of DS9 would be cut out from a children's account just because you had so much sexual overtones. You had a lot of blood and death and everything else. Like there was so much in that, just that one series. I couldn't imagine having that on the kids' account. Like, yay, let's watch Jadzia make out with a Klingon and then gut someone. No, (laughs) that wouldn't work. I've actually started watching Babylon 5 for, like, the first time ever. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm actually planning to do... Because I've, I've seen lots of individual episodes, and sometimes I've watched, like, three in a row when it got re- repeated years and years ago, but I've never watched it properly. The problem is, is not many places stream it. Basically, the only place I can find in the UK where you can get it is from the Crapple Store. Like, I don't want to give them money. Yeah, if uh, I'm going to rewatch anything other than Star Trek, it's going to be Stargate SG-1. So I've started recording that on um, Sky 1. That was, the sh- that was the awesomeness. Uh, so I've started watching Babylon 5 for like the first time ever. And I'm seeing all of these Trek characters left and right. And what was weird was watching Walter Koenig walk on as this sci-fi telepath cop i'm like what yeah having him go nuts like in the episode like what and then like a couple of episodes later here's jeffrey combs as another psychop like wow i didn't even recognize you you are so young your facial structure hasn't even poked out to look like way you just recognized the voice the eyes mm-hmm. just a voice but uh i did actually take to reddit um so i actually you created it and know, you made it back alive <laughs> so yeah i um went to the star trek reddit and basically put the title of 726 episodes and 13 movies later dot 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 <laughs> so i said right at the end of june 16 Netflix UK picked up all the TV series, so I decided, giving it the 50th anniversary, to rewatch everything. Or in my case, with the animated series, watch it for the first time. Plus, I had all the movies on DVD. So I finally finished watching all 726 episodes and all 13 movies in just eight months. My questions are, has anyone else watched all of Star Trek? When did you do it? How long did it take you? Did you change your mind on what your best TV series and or movie was? And did you rewatch all of Star Trek for the 50th to catch up before Destiny or just because you love Star Trek that much? So I sort of just opened up to just a whole load of broad questions um, just to see what other people thought. 
and I've actually got quite a lot of responses actually. So um, lots of people from just saying took me two and a half years. Um, I did it before it got added to Netflix, so had to wait between the original series and TNG. Um, some people said I started watching it all in '91 as a second grader. Um, you've got people saying all sorts of things. Um, got another person that said took me a year and a half or so. Um, well, more including the new movies. It made me realize one, how much TV formats have changed over time. Two, Voyager Threshold would have made an excellent TOS episode. Three, every series has its own charm. Four, Enterprise should have had at least another season. Five, Voyager is a huge missed opportunity in that it did not turn more into a pirate crew and with the ship getting patchier every season. So to that one, I actually replied. So I said, so for Voyager, should it have been more like what we saw in Living Witness? Lol, that would have been fun. Because, of course, in Living Witness is where the Doctor's backup is reactivated, saying like 700 Warship years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with that to some degree. Like, with what they were going through, by the end of it, they were rather tame by comparison to what they could have they could have ended up like Captain Ransom in the Equinox, where they yes. were just robbing See, that's, shit that's everywhere. Like, like, they could have just been the renegades of Starfleet, literally, and just come back and like, yeah, Voyager didn't cut it, so we stole this Borg sphere, and then we stole all this other stuff, and we can advance Starfleet by 300 years. But what about the Prime Directive? Man, we were in the Delta Quadrant. Fuck the Prime Directive. We survived. And, you know, been like that. We escaped the fucking Borg. <laughs> Yeah, like, we own the Borg. I'm sorry, what Prime Directive? Oh, that's right, the one that's held you back. Got it. Like We I, went I to the future, stole that. it, and came back. Yeah, I, I could have seen that easily, now that you've said that, just because of what the Equinox crew did. And it took a lot of character for Janeway to not do that, considering her first officer's a Maquis. Ooh, ooh, think of this, think of this. The uh, events of... Um, Oh god, what was it? The 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 Sarah Silverman episode. Future's End. That's it. If they had actually by force taken that technology away from him and then used it on Captain Braxton, the other timeline Braxton, who comes back to shove them back into where they are in the Delta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. Instead use like, it against them and like you. Nope, we're, we're not going, going back. back to our time now on Earth. <laughs> Yeah, the whole series right there. I mean, it is surprising to some degree. They didn't end up like Living Witness or the Equinox or something like that. It is quite surprising. So um, there's a whole range of answers. Um, One of them also was um, somebody had put, it usually takes me about six months, three episodes a day. I'm on my fifth loop. I watch it in chronological order. I, mean, um, I can see that. Hell, because of you, Midnight, I started watching Voyager from episode one again. I'm halfway through season two now. <laughs> so I can thank you for starting that, because I forgot <laughs> how terrible some of the season one episodes were. Well, that's the same with any of the series, really. I know, um, but I just forgot. Like, the 37s. <sighs> I like that episode. Um, somebody else said... I did it. It only took 40 years. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a whole wide range of um, 
sort of comments. Another one started off with "lol, insane." <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. It's been sort of fun to read through um, the responses. So I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. So if you want to um, read through it or even um, join in with some of the comments, because um, yeah, that has actually been. Um, a lot of fun to sort of uh, go through but uh, yeah it, it's nice that it's now finally done and yeah now my little spreadsheet's all done with zero remaining on every series and it's got a little space ready for Star Trek Discovery as well so thank you Alex for frick's sake you know for all the crap Threshold gets I will admit they tried to explain what happened it was a really bad explanation but someone tried. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. The whole uh, point of Threshold was that because of the quirky thing that was wrong with both, both Janeway and Paris, they evolved. Like anybody else who had had not had that quirk, they probably wouldn't have evolved into freaking salamanders going to warp 10. I just think it's funny they evolved into the salamanders. But yeah, there, there, there's some nice things about that episode. Not much, but but uh, yeah. Um, I think one of the community questions will actually be um, how much of Star Trek have you actually watched? Um, and if you did it in the 50th anniversary, uh, we'll get to that later. So what's next on our docket today? This evening, this morning for Alex. <laughs> and me. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is convention news. Convention news. Okay, I'm weirded out by that one because I swear I felt like an Orion Slave Girl was coming out here for a minute. So, yeah, that was weird. That's that's literally the audio clip it's taken from. It is, yes. it is a scene from the cage, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, I was waiting for Susan hey, Oliver Captain to just Bikes walk out and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> well, first of all, it's a reminder: FCD out of the ashes, which starts March thirty first. Um, when we interviewed them um, quite a few weeks back now. Um, they did tell us about the Indiegogo they were creating for the Saturday Night Party Fundraiser. Now, this is going to be a memory of the late Carrie Fisher. Um, so it's basically going to be raising money for the charity Mind. So um, they're hoping to make a big difference. They're hoping to raise... Well, they would like to raise £10,000. Um, but what they're doing, if anyone who remembers listening to um, the interview, is that if they raise 1000 then both Will and Ross will dress up in some Star Trek scants for the night. So um... And go-go boots. <laughs> we, can't, we can't have scants without the go-go boots. The Rubbery Go-Go Boots Season 1 TNG. So, yeah, if you can help. Um, so, Mind is a charity that helps to remove the stigma of 
mental health illness. So, um, so yeah, um, so far out of their um, goal that they've got, they've actually raised just over £200. So, um, yeah, if you can help them raise some more, even if it's just by sharing the links, um, they will be grateful. Spread the word. Use your bird. Talking about all you Twitter people. So if you're on Indiegogo, you can do a search for the Kyber Crystal Party, and that will come up for um, in the search results there. And if you don't know what a Kyber Crystal is, well, I'll let you Google it. No, don't uh, Google it! Don't Google it! Oh, God! <laughs> um... They're also still running the competition that we mentioned last week. So this is where if you donate £5 to their PayPal account, which is payments at fcdevents.com, you'll be entered into a raffle. If they sell a certain amount of raffle tickets, um, the prize will go up. So um, I think from the messages I saw on their social media channels, um, they'd already met, um, I think it was a couple of days ago, um, the Phoenix Pass prize. And um, if they get more tickets, they'll upgrade that prize to Phoenix Pass Plus. And if they get even more tickets um, that they've sold, um, it'll be upgraded to the Jeff Pass, which is the ultimate one that you can get. They have said that if they do sell 100 tickets, they will the prize they will give away will actually be giving away a Phoenix Pass, a Phoenix Pass Pass, and a Jeff Pass. So they'll give away all three of them. So you've still got time. Um, the draw will be drawn at random on March 14th. So, yeah, you've still got 10 days, or just under 10 days. So, um... Yep, send £5 to payments at fcdevents.com if you would like to enter. And of course, a reminder of the news that Star Trek Timelines will be once again doing their DisruptorCon at PAX East, which is next weekend. Yeah, the 10th to the 12th. So, and that's in Boston, Massachusetts. So... That's it for convention news. You're right there. Yeah, he just exploded. <laughs> That's just like a very big sigh. <laughs> so, on to holodeck. Holodeck. Okay. Now, something we've been covering for the last couple of weeks is the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind. So their goal was to aim for 149,000, just under, which um, they beat within the first couple of days, I think it was. Um, the it's first 24 hours, I believe. Yeah, I think it was. Um, couldn't quite remember if it was the first day or the first two days. Now, they have actually raised 
not too much less than four hundred and fifty-five thousand U.S. dollars, um, with over six thousand seven hundred backers. So that means they have reached not only their first stretch goal, but their second and their third. So they're working towards the fourth stretch goal, which is five hundred thousand. So there's seven days still remaining. Now. This last week, um, Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, episode 40, actually interviewed Adam Nimoy and Ira Stephen Burr about this project. So the link to the podcast will, of course, be in our show notes. And just a reminder that on March 14th, we will be seeing the release of the Kickstarter for... Um, the circuit, which is Menu into Raimi's project. Okay, so now it's time to move on to In the Community. In the Community. <laughs> dance party starts in half a minute. Get out on the dance floor. <laughs> I, I have not heard that one before. And I did not expect to hear Sun Seal giggling. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Stu, um, I think you put in this one into um, the show notes, which is about the 12th Fleet, the real-life branch. Yes, um, Captain Bill Morgan reached out to me via Facebook to let me know about the giveaways and the the goals of the 12th real life branch the 12th fleet being a an established fleet in stove but the sort of the real life branch looks to spread the the words and the values of star trek like to see people for who they are and not what they are and to be courageous enough to voice strong opinions without fear of retaliation back from people about them. But he went on to tell me that they did an interview at VisionCon recently with the guys from a a radio show, the Brothers on Whatever radio show, and that they're doing a, a giveaway. So the the blurb of that is are you ready to be part of the Twelfth Fleet's first giveaway? Do you want to get your hands on one of our beautiful belts? Listen to our interview with Brothers on Whatever on March the 3rd at 9 until 11 p.m. on CBS Fox 590 AM, The Fan and 105.7 HD2 FM. And afterwards, give us a shout on our social medias to answer our trivia question. And you can answer that up until 7 p.m. on Saturday the 4th. And at 8 p.m., they'll announce the winner. The winner will be randomly generated for all the correct answers and notified via the social media that they answer on. Now, I'm going to put the link for that into our Twitch feed for people who are listening now to find out more. Okay. Thank you very much. So, I take it that's all in one of the American time zones because I didn't see... uh time zone there. Bill told me that he is operating in Central American time zone. 
Okay. So I'm not sure what that is in relation to us. Uh, that is minus minus six or seven yeah. hours. So um, so yeah, thank you. Now we also saw posted um a blog from Star Trek Online um posts, which is a fan video and a special surprise. Now Z Films. Um, had actually created a video, um, I believe, for, um, I think it was a German podcast um, radio station, was it? It was the the Red Shirt podcast? Um, I think it's Red Shirt Radio, um, if I recall yes. correctly. So, um, so yeah, he'd um, sort of helped them out. Um, so... Um, we had um, Ambassador Kale actually um, do a blog that reads, The Star Trek Online community is truly an amazing group of people, and we are always astonished how creative and connected you all are. We try our best to keep an eye on all projects out there and to support initiatives, events, and projects done by players for players. A few weeks back, we heard about an interview of a Canadian YouTuber, Z Films, by... German podcast Red Shirt Radio. Z Films creates the fantastic videos for our ships that you see sometimes on our Twitter and Facebook. And Red Shirt is a great German language podcast for our European fans. Given how much we enjoy both programs, we helped out by increasing visibility among the German community with a blog about the show. Just shortly after the blog was released, we learned about a little girl in Germany who happens to be a huge fan of Z Films, Star Trek Online's Starship trailers. We reached out to Z Films and let him know about his four-year-old fan on the other side of the pond and asked him whether it would be possible to add a little surprise for her in his next Star Trek Online Starship trailer. We thought he might put her name in the credits or something. Well, the surprise Z Films prepared got a little bit bigger than we first planned. Then without further ado, Samantha, this trailer of your favourite Star Trek Online Starship is just for you. And there is then a fan edition for the um, Brigid class, is it? Yep. And um, then it's signed off. We hope you and the entire Stowe community enjoys it as much as we do and feel free to say hi to Z Films and Samantha in the video comments. Did you actually get a chance to watch the video at all? Yeah, I watched the video earlier. He's named the ship after Samantha's family name, the USS Rebel. I hope that's the right pronunciation of it. Okay. So, yeah. so the video is dedicated to Samantha and her father, Stefan Rebel. So yeah, the links to the video and um, all the other information will, of course, be in our show notes. And congratulations, E Films, for doing that and helping out the community. So there was a statement on Facebook earlier on today from Zeph Films who said it was a very unique honour for me. I know that as a community, we all have our gripes and our moments when we are not at our best. But I love things like this, where folks from different parts of the world can come together for the sole purpose of putting a smile on a little fan's face. 
an update from the dad of the four-year-old fan. She was pretty stoked, ha ha, pun, and couldn't wait to show her mum. I'll probably talk more about this in a vlog later. Cheers. And I got the chance to quickly fire him a couple of questions on Facebook. I said that when you started making videos, did you expect to be supported by Cryptic officially in their blogs? And he said that he never thought he would be at the point that he's at right now. And when I asked him about, did you expect to have fans ranging from four years to 40 years old, he said that he, he never even thought about what age or gender the fans would be. He just knew that whoever would like the videos would be Star Trek fans. Well, as long as he enjoys doing it and people enjoy watching it, that's the main thing. A uh, bit like with us. Um, I know there's lots and lots of podcasts out there and many do podcasting for basically a living um, to make money. But we come on here week in, week out because we just enjoy talking Trek. Like he enjoys making videos and um, making those into movies. And yeah, kudos to him for doing such a good job. So last thing for in the community, just a reminder that Mav from Stoked Radio is still looking for help um, with his funds to finally get all of his stuff that he had to move out of his house, um, which he lost um, because of all his health issues. Um, so he's moved in with a friend quite away um, from where he was uh, to try and get a new start and a new job. So, um, yeah, he's looking for £500 in total, and so far he's raised 275 So if you are able to help, and um, please do. Okay, so now it's time for community feedback. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. So, Sam, would you like to go through the feedback that we have? Oh boy, would I! Excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so our community question number one for last week was, what are your thoughts on the Star Trek Online Challenge Arena of Sumpec? And how did your battle, skill, uh, battle skills fare? Merwinian replied on the Star Trek Timelines Discord server, I hate ground combat. End of thoughts. Alex Wonder replied from the forum, Hi, Alex! Nah, I didn't participate, so, eh. But from what I heard, it sounded like a good version of a, how do you say it, no-win scenario? A true no-win scenario. You know, there are people who really, really enjoy that kind of challenge, and if you implemented leaderboards and seasons, so the leaderboards reset every few months and the top, however many people get a season-specific reward, that could be very appealing to some players. D didn't you guys already discuss this? People reading Alex's feedback ahead of time, quit it. He, he did actually put that in chat, and I said, I haven't actually had time to read it. <laughs> so we just think alike in, the only well, in this I, instance. <laughs> right. The only issue I see is that idea uh, with that idea is the random part. 
If some random factors end up being more difficult than others, you definitely don't want to implement a leaderboard in Seasons. I wonder if they'll bring back the regular no-win scenario in a similar way. Nah, probably not. I mean, if people can't win, then it's not fun, right? But at that point, we're getting into game design philosophies, and since I still need to email you anyway, well, be afraid. Be very afraid. Wait, he is emailing us? What? Um, that's probably going to be for the competitions. We ask people to... We need the information, so they need to email. Okay. I must have missed that. So our second community question for last week was, how do you feel about Star Trek Timeline's rewards being so random? Merwinian also, or, um, responded from the Timeline's Discord server and said the RNG is just something you have to accept if you play this game. It's part slot machine with no chance at real tangible rewards. The fun of it lies in trying to build a crew made up of characters from your favorite stories like the Mirror Universe episodes. And anyone claiming that it is, uh, that uh, claiming this isn't a collecting game is wrong. That's how most of us play it. But the swings of luck can be incredibly frustrating, especially if you've put more than a little money into the game and feel like you should have a return on that. Oh, yes. Alex also responded from the forums. I understand why some designers like to use RNG. And as long as the odds are reasonable, fine. But there is a reason why Blizzard implemented an option to get extra rolls for loot on raids in World of Warcraft. Because RNG can be very unfun. Especially when there is no bad luck protection. Let's take Hearthstone, for example. I like playing that game. But when you face the umpteenth pirate warrior or aggro shaman and the game devolves into a coin flip of whether or not you're, you get the perfect answer within the first five turns, that is neither fun nor interactive. When I lose a game, well, when I misplay, I only have myself to blame. But when I play as best as I can, and, and, and when I play as best as the draws let me, and my opponent makes one suboptimal play after another and still wins because his RNG is just so much better, I don't call that fun. But I'm getting into game design philosophy again, and I should probably save that for the email. What were we talking about? Oh, right. I'm still not playing timelines. Yeah! Okay. Our third community question from last week was, what seven names would you have the seven planets named as? Merwinian responded, having exhausted Earth mythology for names, maybe start reaching into other fictional realms like Tolkien or Lovecraft. Studog responded and said, why not name the planets Midnight, Dragon, Sun, Studog, Timberwolf, Geese, and Zombie? I like that one. I'm not okay with that. You don't want a planet name after you? No. Why? Because if anything, I should be the sun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the bright option. Laws. <laughs> that means here, that we should man. get another host to add to the collection, and so there's eight of them, and sun can be the sun. I didn't know this, but the planet is actually, uh, the planets are actually um, orbiting a red dwarf. So when I heard that, guess what I thought of? Red British dwarf. comedy. <laughs> In the sun, sun, sun. <laughs> so 
So then I naturally thought Cat, Rimmer, Crichton, Lister. Holly, and, talkie toaster. Somebody, somebody, somebody actually said Dwayne Dibley. Dwayne Dibley? <laughs> That's Dwayne Dibley. I haven't seen that episode for decades. I'm so glad I made myself sick forcing myself to binge watch that on Netflix before it left. <laughs> that is just great television. I wish I could see more of it. Okay, I'm in a laughing fit. You guys, somebody, somebody do Alex. Well, the original bridge crew seems like a fine suggestion. Certainly beats the seven dwarves. I guess every Star Trek crew offers at least seven notable characters to choose from. You could also use seven X-Men. Let me think, Professor X, Wolverine, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Storm, Rogue, and um, maybe Magneto, because Ian McKellen is awesome. Okay, okay. Thanks for the feedback, Alex. General feedback. Oh, God. Alex wrote a novel this time. Like, an actual novel. What do you mean this It's time? not as bad That's as every week. <laughs> no, 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 no. This... This has got chapters. Do you see this? It's got chapters. <laughs> Hold on, it's just some of the spacings off. I can fix that and make it look shorter. Isn't that yeah. what you said about fixing it last week and then broke the show notes? Oh, when he put the show notes inside the show notes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also broke it after that as well. <laughs> oh, good God. Really? You know how the calendar's like nice and small? I made it like three times the size. Oh god. Oh god. There's a reason I keep the newspaper around for the annoying dog. <laughs> Good morning, Tribbles. Feedback. Oh boy, did you touch on iffy subjects. Let's start with he who shall not be named. Which one? See, when I read the Star Trek Continues update and got to, we spent the money exactly how we said we would, and they pointed out that they were a nonprofit, I thought to myself, Shots fired. It might have been unintentional, but my mind immediately went there. And lo and behold, he who shall not be named could not resist thine temptation. Which was to be expected. See, I may not know him personally, but from what I've seen so far, his ego seems to be somewhat spacious. Now, there are people who have that kind of an ego and got big pers uh got a and got a big personality to back it up. But those are the exception. Most people who sport on that kind of an ego suffer from having an extremely tiny, no dragon, not what you may think, personality. So, I understand why these statements were made. Just wish both sides had refrained from doing it. And just for the record, the statements made by the Continuous crew happens to be entirely true, whereas they are issues with the response you read out. I don't understand, because, yeah, quite literally everything continues said is true to exactly what they said and when they said they'd do it. I mean, because, you know, the, the, the lawsuit the lawsuit started just as Continues was starting their Kickstarter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then it wrapped up by the time CBS comes to all the people who are doing the, their own go fundraising things and going y'all gotta quit y'all gotta quit to which to which continues had wrapped theirs up successfully and during that whole campaign they were saying this is what we're going to do with the money 
And at the same time that they were doing that, they said, you know, we, you know, they were in the process of seeking 501c3 charitable status. So they have every right to make these claims because, yeah, it's true. It may seem like shots fired, but okay. If that's, you know, I think it's, I think it's more of the part, uh, I think it's more of the part that we anticipate a response more than anything that continues has said is quote unquote bad form, you know? I mean, I'm not crazy in thinking that, right? Well, the crazy part. <laughs> well, I I know I'm insane, but like <laughs> my logic seems pretty solid here, right? Yeah, it's responding to a lot of the conversation that we had last week about all this. It's 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 just a thing that sometimes I don't say things the way I should say them. So, because you know, I didn't bring up other sorts of people. Oh God, I have so many tabs open. I clicked the wrong one. <laughs> there we go. And, and now a very brief excursion into European history. The other guy that shall remain nameless. Oh, okay. Was not a war hero at all. He did serve in World War One, but he was, uh, what's the lowest rank called? Private? Yeah, sure. He tried to associate himself with so-called war heroes, but even that classification had issues because some of them tried to rewrite their own history, uh, uh, rewrite their own favor by claiming that they could have won the war if they had not been backstabbed by one of the political parties back then. That claim was untrue, but that's a whole different can of worms. The funny part about all of this is that this nameless guy tried to invoke this feeling that he was continuing the glorious tradition of Prussia as an Austrian citizen. If you know something about European history, you might be smirking right now until you remember who we're talking about. <sighs> the, the whole situation over there is weird. Unless you unless you actually really deep dive into the whole history of that situation. I'll just say this. I, I will say this as an aside, Alex. There's a reason it was called the final solution. It's because they tried stuff before, but don't, people only seem to remember the killing. By the way, the... What's his position called? Chairman of CBS? Les Moonves talked to investors, I think. And he said they expect Discovery to launch late summer, early fall. And Star Trek is the family jewels. And they decided to do this show because Trek is doing so well on Netflix. No, they are not doing it to revitalize and reinvigorate the franchise. They are not doing it because they believe in it. They are doing it because somebody else proved that there is money to be made. Say what you will about the mouse. At least they don't hide behind Netflix to justify redoing some of their old IPs. The mouse? Disney. With regards to uh. Marvel and things like that. Hmm, so let's delve into Stowe's console version for a moment. You mentioned an issue with the temporal transponder. See, it's wonderful that the people are going to get their rewards whenever Cryptic manages to fix the bug, but, um... You do remember that those are uh, that those crates are full of level-appropriate gear when you reach level 10, level 20, 30, 40, and 50. So if you do what Cryptic wants you to do, and play a lot during the event, you don't get the gear that is supposed to help you level when it would help you to do so. So, uh, Cryptic, how about you, I don't know, freeze the event until you fix the issue? No? 
Okay, that might not be possible, I understand. But surely you have an official statement that promises some sort of compensation. I mean, how long has the event been running now? Oh, and I read something about a, a turn rate bug that does not seem to be listed in the known issues. Something about escorts turning like cruisers, or worse. And, well, if I bought an escort and the turn and, and it turned like a cruiser, I would be rather displeased. I, I hope Cryptic has some top men working on the case. Top men. That bug has been noted in the forums, so it's yeah, it's... worked on. It's something I've seen firsthand. Escorts do turn up like cruisers, and cruisers are at a turn rate of about two on average. They hardly turn at all. Um, yeah, it's a, that it's was a it. terrible... Um, it was in the live stream last week. Uh cannot remember who the devs were who were in the stream, but they did say that they knew about it and it was being worked on, but they didn't have a fix for it at that time. Uh, that information is seven days old, eight days old now, so it could have been fixed already. It's one of those those uh, issues that when it does get fixed, it will be a huge quality of life improvement for console because of how it's affecting gameplay for console players. And last but not least, Perfect World Marketing strikes again. See, Agents of Yesterday launched on consoles on February 14th. Around the 16th, I noticed two Stowe ad banners on Massively OP. One of them advertising Season 12, The Reckoning. The other one advertising Season 11, New Dawn. Or was it 11.5? It was definitely New Dawn. And I thought, well, the timing seems a little odd, since most companies like to hype up launch day, or maybe a few days before... Uh, are a few days before to give the new players time to download the client and return playing uh returning players time to patch their client but maybe i didn't pay enough attention so that's fine then i realized wait a second season 12 is new on pc but new dawn is not the most recent content drop for consoles that ad should have been ages of yesterday oh well maybe the ad company messed up in the following days i uh I saw a boatload of ad banners advertising The Iconian War, Delta Rising, Season 9, New Accords. See, when you can't be bothered or afford to make new banners, make generic banners. That's fine. But no company ever advertises old content. Blizzard does not advertise Wrath of the Lich King or the Burning Crusade anymore. The Old Republic does not advertise the Rise of the Hut Cartel or the Shadow of Revan anymore. You do not advertise old content because, well, new players won't know the difference anyway, but former players see those banners and remember that content that they are not... Wait, 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 what? Um, new players won't know the difference anyway, but former players see those banners and if they remember the content are going to think that you're either cheap or lazy. Use generic banners if you have to, but for the love of whatever you believe in, you do not advertise old content. There was a time when I wondered how Perfect World's head of marketing got that job. Now I wonder how he or she manages to keep that job. But hey, apparently apparently, Smirk and Trinity were too expensive to keep. Shrug. Well, thank you for your feedback. Um, we, of course, last week, because of 
work things going on and health issues recorded a couple of days late which of course meant that the episode got out late as well so, we apologize so this week's one will be out an awful lot quicker hopefully it will be <laughs> you guarantee okay. so that's all that we have this week so the questions for this week's community feedback do you think we'll get the old style breach queue back after the current event or do you think we'll be keeping the new style queue question two how much of star trek tv and film have you watched for the 50th anniversary question three how do you handle your star trek timelines crew when you're running out of character slots and you get new ones. So we'd like to know. And you can get a hold of us through all the social media channels. Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Star Trek Riser.com and Player.me. Just head over to Tribbles in XTC and you can leave us a message. Or in any of the comments any of those networks on the posts themselves you can get hold of us via email at hosts at tribblesandecstasy.com if you go to the blog to download the podcast there'll also be a button to press to leave us a message on the page or any of the tribbles pages for that matter Alternatively, you can actually head over to speakpipe.com forward slash tribbles in XTC and you can get us there. As for syndication, you can catch us on trackradio.net and subspace-radio.net every Wednesday. And you can also find us in syndication on iTunes, Google Play and one I keep forgetting, Stitcher Radio. So, we look forward to hearing back from you. So, until next week. Take care, everyone. See you guys. Bye, y'all. I'm the sun! satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends